0: Hawthorne Heights
1: podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of Hawthorne Heights Get Emotional. Um, On this one, we all sat and chat for a couple hours about our top three life-changing albums. Uh, This does not mean our favorite albums of all time. This means albums we heard at any point in our life that changed how we looked at music and everything about how we looked at all of it. So we explained it in there, what we're going for. Uh, Real quick, before we get into the episode, um, we are doing a switcheroo. I'm not going to tell you what we're switching from. I'm not going to tell you what we're switching to. But keep your eyes peeled to the internet on Friday, and you're going to see something that I refer to as the old switcheroo. Um, Yeah, just keep your eyes peeled this week. Uh, We've got some announcements, of course, like always. Uh, But yeah that's how we're gonna do it so enough of me let's get on with the show this episode is called life changers
2: July 2004 a shiny silver disc we had just played Denver Colorado sold out headlining for the first time on tour with Adair Calico system and Glass Eater. 350 kids singing Silver Bullet for the first time. It was a modest feat, but we had just slayed our first dragon. I remember this show and think about it often. Casey and I walked to the post office near the venue to pick up a package. The package was simply labeled To Casey Hawthorne from Smart Punk. He wouldn't tell me what it was. And to be honest with you, I didn't really think much of it. It's just a package. Next, we went to a place called Illegal Pete's for lunch. It was our very first ever free meal. It was given to us because we were in Hawthorne Heights. A free meal just for playing in a band that somebody recognized. Denver was perfect. It always is and always has been. The air just feels right. After the show, we had to overnight it to Omaha, Nebraska, but we were all riding high. I offered to drive the graveyard shift because I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep that night. My smile was too big that it wouldn't fit on my pillow anyway. As we stopped at a gas station, and it was my turn to take over. Casey smiled and said, why don't you open this first? He handed me the package labeled Casey Hawthorne from Smart Punk. So I ripped it open, and inside was a silver disc. On the silver disc was one word written in black sharpie. This was in a time where nothing was announced on the internet, so I had no idea what this disc even was. The word written on the disc meant nothing to me at the time, but it would become everything to me within the next three hours. I listened to this disc for the entire three-hour drive. Six times from start to finish. And within five seconds, I knew exactly what it was. And I remember Casey's smile in the front seat. Written on the disc was one word. Futures. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey <laughs> the best intro oh ever it's just you can always hello. You,
0: yes you can always count on poppy you can always count on poppy for the for the sound bite
1: i just made sure i was recording because i don't want to miss that
3: <laughs> i don't say much but god damn it when i do
1: but god but god damn it when i do it's first and awesome Hey. Hello. Oh, nobody
3: said anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is like that. That is is almost identical to like that time that uh, when we were first doing the gang vocals for Silence in Black and White.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> we we were doing it for uh, what was it? We were doing it for uh, fucking the last song. Yeah. Speeding up the octaves. Uh, Speeding up the octaves. And it says, your fire this time. And Aaron was getting New Jersey hardcore as fuck. And so everybody, everybody was noticing it. So we all stopped at the same time and left Aaron out on a ledge. Just and to get it re- going, just
1: to get it recorded. Your fire.
0: <laughs> You've but never he, seen laughter.
1: He goes, Your that's what it was. It was like, in, it, it was like Miss Piggy with X on her X's on her hand. It, it was so stupid.
0: Yeah, but it, it was, it was totally insane. I saw Aaron Bucciarelli last night. I saw him, uh, in Cincinnati. I went to his wedding and it was, you know what? I went to a wedding in the COVID era. How about that?
1: You know what? I've got a story about it. So I couldn't go. But I watched it with a Zoom link. I will never go to a wedding again because what I saw and heard was better than any wedding you could ever go to. So I'm watching a wedding.
0: You mean over Zoom because you were watching it over Zoom? You mean? Yes.
1: Yep. And in, in the chat is Aaron's mom, Shadi's aunt, and Shadi's uncle. And they are doing live commentary of a wedding during a wedding (laughs) sweet it is amazing it is so hilarious And they're like hold on let me get my headset and like trying to figure out the internet while a wedding's happening and being like oh she looks so pretty i mean it was full-on commentary it was amazing it was so good
0: you know uh i didn't know what to expect and like doing something like that you know like all masked up and like socially distant and like uh you know what you want your wedding to look like and what it has to look like right now are two totally different things but uh i would say that it was it was definitely really awesome and it was great to see them like you know because they've been dealing with this for like the past six months you know they were supposed to get married in like puerto rico or something and then it changed again and then we're still here in the COVID era uh but it you know. We've known Aaron a long time. I've known Aaron 20 years. Uh, Obviously we played in a band with him for like, I don't know, 12 of those or something like that. And uh, so we we have seen Aaron go through a lot of ups and downs like we all have. And it was awesome to see him 100% happy because I don't think I've ever seen him happy like truly happy (laughs) to where, to where there's a balance between career and, uh, relationship. Yeah. You know, like, so it was, it was really great to see them, like, like, I don't know that I could do what he did at that wedding. Like as a 40, I think he's 41 years old. He was crying tears of joy now, you know what I mean? And it was, it was great to see that because like, the easiest thing in the world would be like, all right, this is, you know, my second marriage. Uh, I've done this before. I do. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the easiest thing to do is to phone the rest of your life in, yeah. but to see 100% joy out of both of them in the co- doing a wedding in the COVID era where right. your, your mom can't even be there. Like, I, I thought that it was truly awesome I, I don't like to go to weddings, so I was like kind of dreading it, and I only went because uh, I could still consider Aaron a, a really good friend, and he asked me, and I just, I just thought that it was important to go. Um, it was like 45 minutes in and out, and it was a powerful 45 minutes. So right. Aaron got married last night, and, uh, and it was the only time in the world that I've ever seen somebody get married and do a cake cutting to find out that they were pregnant and having a gender <laughs> reveal at the same time. So it was crazy. It was that's actually, odd. I thought it was, yeah, I thought everything was really well done. So let's all give it up for for Aaron uh, and really having the true power of love through all this stuff. It was great to see him. Like that's one of those like adult things that was, was cool to see somebody experience and it kind of just, I don't know, tickled your heart just a little bit there made you feel like alive and that not everything is shitty right which is cool
1: that's cool i want i want there to be somebody somebody that said you know what it's i want it's my day and it's the day i've always dreamed of and my dream is that everybody's wearing masks i want that to be something somebody said when they were eight and now it's like oh my god this is it
0: this is my dream (laughs) this is the chance
1: yep because everybody else's dreams have been shattered by masks But I want one person that's like, it's been my dream to have everybody wear them. This is perfect.
4: I'm going to wear a mask. It's going to match my tux. This is what we're going to
1: do. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Crazy. But yeah, that's That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Yep.
0: Yeah, it it was a good time. It was a great time. Um, But that's not what we're talking about this week. I just thought that it would be cool uh, for everybody listening out there who, um, you know, are fans from a, uh, from a little bit different, era of Hawthorne Heights. I thought it would be cool for everybody to to do a little check back in. Aaron's doing great and uh, his wedding was beautiful.
1: It was a hell of a time. Man, it would have been so much funnier if the cake was actually a baby reveal and one of them didn't know it. That'd be that would be insane. That'd be wild times. Yep. Be like somebody goes, why is this cake this color inside? I paid for almond. And then somebody goes <laughs> Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> let me let you in on it. <laughs> yeah, that would be you—a shock and all. That's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, all
1: right. Well, congratulations, Booch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This Hell shit's yeah. wild. Shit's yep. wild. But it's great, you know. <clears> we're <throat> we're we're all trying to be as positive as we possibly can, and uh, you know, shit changes every day. It really does. Sometimes it's great days, sometimes it's bad days, but uh, yesterday was was a fun day. Um, all right, where do you want to go? Well, let's choose our adventure.
1: Let's. Uh, first of all, I have a bone to pick with the ups and downs part. Real quick, I hate seeing in the news that they say. Blah blah blah. Expecting a spike because of Labor Day weekend. Are we just going to do this for in every holiday? A potential spike maybe coming. That's, that's the move. You're like St. Patty's Day could be a potential spike. Black Friday should be a potential spike. The day before Thanksgiving could be a potential spike. Like, is there is there a point in saying potential spike maybe? Because people yeah. might go have a picnic yeah, more I often think
0: every day. There is a potential spike. Yes, yes. <laughs> because potential just is it could happen.
1: When I walk outside the house and I look up and I see an airplane, potential spike. Eight thirty to nine, people
4: are driving to work. Potential spike. Yeah. your house. <laughs> yeah.
1: Potential yes. spike. People going grocery shopping. Potential yeah. spike. People like is there is there a point of putting that in the news? There's I'd, no point of
0: that. Even I'd, worse is people sharing memes that are like. Uh, I don't know. Tell me why I have to uh, wear a mask at church, but Bobby doesn't have to during the soccer match.
1: <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> what I mean?
0: like every, why don't we just be honest with each other? Everybody is the most self-serving motherfucker in the world.
1: Yeah. It's every very simple. Single per, y'all every should at both. Y'all should at both events. You yeah. want to go yes. to church, put on a mask. Hey, soccer, soccer guy, wear a mask. I, You don't, you don't have it's not to, a contest. You don't have to or not at one or the other. You should at both. In either way, there's a potential spike. Yeah. If you potential spike. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, of course. It's bad. Hey, fuck why, you, why, Karen.
0: Why are we obsessed with the competitive nature of this? We're we have all we're all three year old kids again. But, right. But he got to. He got to. Why can't bu- I get to?
4: Bubby's guider
1: won't fit him. I don't know what to do.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is, man. Oh my goodness. I just
1: It's just like, if I go, if I leave the house right now to go grocery shopping, there is a potential spike in my chances of getting in a car wreck. There true, just is. True. There's a potential. I, I find that to be so not newsworthy, but I get it. Y'all got to sell. Somebody's got to sell fucking cialis somehow you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i get it um i wanted to show you guys now the audio listeners are not going to see this but i wanted to show you guys the the meme of the century in my opinion can you guys see this (laughs) (laughs) yes That, that is the that's that's the meme of the century for me uh for the listeners if you don't follow Shithead Steve on Instagram, you should. Uh, Is it just at
4: Shithead Steve?
1: It's just Shithead Steve. I mean, it, to be honest, I'm late to the party. The guy has six million followers. So, uh, right but it's now. it's a big fat Ronald McDonald holding holding an AR-15 or or actually like I don't even know if that's an AR-15. It's like a Uzi or something, and it says what the U.S. looks like to the rest of the world, and I, it's just the funniest. And his caption says, "I've just about McFucking had it," <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is really funny. But I don't know; things are things are crazy. They're not getting less crazy. They're going to get more crazy. Oh shit! And the only explanation that I've heard that makes any sense is that there's a glitch in the simulation. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the most logical explanation. So Probably true. it. So if that is. If that is real, I'd say buckle up. Um, if it's not real, buckle up. It's the same with masks at soccer games versus churches. Just put on a mask and go. to go. Bet. Potential spike if you go, more than staying home, but just go and be not an idiot.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like, real. let's just say enough with the boo-hooing.
1: Yeah. Just,
0: just wear it and go home. For goodness sakes, man. <laughs> Boo
4: hoo. I, I getting... people,
0: people are dying and you're mad that you can't go into freaking
1: But It, makes my, it makes my nose hot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it doesn't touch know, doc- on my ears. Hey, hey, I got a doctor's note. It Doesn't
1: feel as good. Hey, yes. I
0: got a, I, I got a doctor's note.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's so stupid. But whatever. I, I just I I just I can't imagine I just can't imagine anything less banal than that to care about. Like, yep. man, what a boring thing to care about. The only thing that makes me mad is at the same time everybody has no money, masks to me are another expense I've got to do. So I buy these throwaway guys at Target and they're like 15 bucks because I'm just not, I've washed one mask and it just got smaller and then it just pinches my face off. <laughs> like it's pretty much, a, it sucks. So I just buy this throwaway ones. So it just adds 15 bucks every week or so, which, which is a bummer, but
3: I, I dropped, I, I bought two, I dropped $10 each on them and they're fantastic.
1: You just can't reweigh. Well, you have to wear them once and then wash them. I'm just not, no,
3: I'm I got filters.
1: <clears throat> which do you have the one with the hole on the outside? No,
3: I, they like, they're, a, they're a slip-in filter. Gotcha. Word. Uh, anyway. Crazy.
0: like Kind of like SIGs.
3: 2020 is weird, man.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a
4: glitch. Okay, the only explanation is a glitch. It's
1: just Mask a
0: glitch. filters. Well, let, we went from 100% unadulterated the power of love into 100% deep dive into the negativity of being a total just, I don't know, clown right now at this moment. Where's the beef? I I will, think where, are, some,
4: where is that beef? I will we got tell some you.
0: grievances. We got some grievances in the COVID era of having in the streaming era, the end of, of TV as we know it. <laughs> Let's get into some beef, some hot beef.
1: I will start. I will start with the beef. And I have a bone to pick with Disney, Disney plus released. Now I only know this cause my wife went to a uh, thing And they rented a film called Mulan, the live action film. The live action film. uh, I've only got a, I've only got hearsay, secondhand information. There's no dragon. There's no singing. That's what I know. Bullshit. And I know one more thing. If you want to stream that, whether you're streaming it for you yourself or a group of friends, it's thirty dollars to watch it from your house. 30 bucks, huh? $30. I could understand if they said, you know what, we can't release it in theaters. We're gonna put it on streaming. It's the exact price you would have paid at a theater. I get that. If they said it's $12, that would make sense. Um, <clears throat> but $30 is a big price. If you're just, say you're at home and you wanna see the new Mulan by yourself, 30 bucks, like, well, Do, is the only way to watch Mulan is to charge admission to your house?
0: Well, it's kind of like, kind of. That... Like, it's kind of like the drive-in <clears throat> theaters. We are not all about single riders here, fellas. We are about how many people are you going to have in your house? Disney's considering. That's a great value because I know that at the Ridenauer's house. He's gonna have sixty-five people stacked on every couch for thirty bucks. So I'm right. actually losing money off
1: you. But it eliminates. It eliminates the person that just wants to watch Mulan.
0: Yeah, I know. That's what I'd say. Single riders, but single and here's, riders.
3: Here's the other thing. Let's get let's get back to it a little bit. You shouldn't have sixty-five people at your house. You shouldn't have five there. Exactly.
1: Can't be six feet apart. The only way to make it economically feasible is to have a group larger than ten. <laughs> Otherwise, you're sitting on your couch watching a thirty dollar movie. I was like, I was like, are they trying to include the price you would have paid for popcorn and Juju beans? I mean, <laughs> what are they doing? That's a that's a big for a movie. I have to pay three months of Netflix to watch a movie once. I mean, come on. Hey, now that's,
3: I a did, thir-
0: that's a thirty dollar bill. I did yeah,
3: ask. I-, I did ask JT because <laughs> I know he watched Bill and Ted's last week or whatever. You damn tw- right. I did, and it, and it was twenty. And I thought that might even be a little high, but you're twenty right.
1: feels twenty feels more right to me. Yes, because you're 20. like ten's cheaper than a movie. The next thing up is twenty.
3: I honestly think anything it, a one-time watching fifteen to twenty dollars is a fair price for a brand new movie, because the theaters are missing out. Now, granted, they're not giving the theater any of that money. They're keeping well, it's not it all even for the,
0: it's not the theater. It's it's the studio. The studio that is in charge of the picture. You know what I mean? So like, those oh, the,
3: the theaters have to have to basically buy the rights, licensing. To... Yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: The, yeah. So that's why the popcorn and everything's so expensive because they're really just getting you in the theater to buy the popcorn. Mm-hmm. And since they can't now, uh, so so Matt paid thirty dollars for a huge property. Hey, known as hey,
1: m- hey, I did not pay a dot. <laughs> don't throw don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> okay, very I would have nice. said, "Oh, Mulan, very nice," and then I'd be like, "Oh, no, I'll watch anything else."
3: So, so did Leah go to a place that had, that was watching
1: it? Yep, her friend paid for it.
3: Okay, so nice. Okay.
1: But I would have I would have done a hard pivot the second it asked nice. that question.
0: Hey, D- Disney ain't doing anything different than getting all these freaking weirdos who watch wrestling all in the room together doing pay-per-view. <laughs> I Trust me, there, yeah. there, there's the, the, the critical data is absolutely there.
1: I would have clicked the new Mulan. It said, are you sure you want to? And I would say, I would turn to my friend and say, you know what? I haven't watched the original in a while. Let's watch that one first. That's exactly what I would do. Like, I am not doing that.
0: Well, I will tell Poppy was right. So I, uh, Avery and I, watched um, Bill and Ted's and I watched it not I watched it on Fandango now which I think is is pretty brilliant. I don't understand why all of these people don't think forward like blockbuster there should never be a Netflix blockbuster should have had that on lockdown. In the early 2000s thinking forward from what their business is just like the movie theaters should have a handle on this right now. Regal Cinemas or Cinemark or whatever that property is, they should be figuring out a way to get uh, on your mobile devices and stuff like that. So Fandango now, Fandango is a ticketing company. Uh, They started an app and I watched it directly on my TV. Uh, And it, couldn't have looked better and was super easy. So, like, I don't understand what most of these companies are thinking. I not need full doing transparency. Something like that.
1: I need yeah. full transparency. Did you pay for it? Yeah. Yeah. You did not use our Fandango hookup.
0: No, you I don't did... even know if that's. I don't even know if that's possible. But no, I. I downloaded the app. Uh, paid 19.99. Watched it like a working class stiff
1: worth worth $20 to you, the experience
0: worth $20? 100% I will pay that on movies that I want to watch that are brand new uh, during this time period. If you flash forward and you, and we're talking, I have the opportunity to go to a theater or watch from home, for $20 my answer is probably different because i i do like the uh, going to the theater and hanging experience. out and doing that thing. Yeah, it's it's a different experience, but you know, th- the way that i look at it is we're given so much stuff at such a low value, specifically in the music industry. Spotify's $14 a month, you can get every piece of recorded history of music <laughs> from Mozart to what literally just came out last night. You get everything yes. and you still are like, dude, I don't know. Can I, can I log into your Spotify account? <laughs>
1: that's, that's like, where I'm going with Mulan. My opinion, if I can have 30 days of every recorded song of all time for, for 10 to $12 Mulan's triple that. No, no way. Must be a hell of a flick. That's a hell of a movie. <laughs> I mean, just on price comparison alone, I'm like, there is no way that's worth thirty bucks.
4: I think the thoughts are right now. If you think about it, like, like JT got Bill and Ted's, it's twenty dollars. But it's the first thing that I can think of that all of us that's come out since this. All of us are like, oh, you can get that at home. Maybe I think the prices are kind of jacked up right now because I haven't been to a movie since COVID. So $20 spent on something like that, something new like that other than the streaming services in the last six months. Cool.
1: Right. 20 but bucks can, is the price of a DVD. That makes yeah. sense to me,
4: but I don't think they can maintain that if that becomes a like more of a normal thing, new releases out, released. Like I, that I, guess, a theater. I guess
0: the way that I look at it is that everybody's got to take, I'm not Lars by any means.
1: Frederickson or to... Frederickson or alls Ulrich the bastards. Well, you know,
0: you know that I like skunks. I'm not. I like skunks, but uh, I'm not trying to like stand on the uh, soapbox of Lars. But you do have to be. You have to provide uh, a value to intellectual property. Like sure. if I want to see Bill and Ted's. Like I'm sure that they spent millions of dollars making this, yeah, if I want to watch it, it's twenty fucking dollars. you know what I mean and it's worth it. If I want to watch it, it is whatever you will pay for. It. so the difference is if you're streaming on something on a different like site, they can get that thirty dollars can compound every month. This is a one time thing, so like yeah. you know i I just think that right now, like. If you want to watch new movies get cut them some slack it's no different than us bands like we can't tour well they can't even release movies that they probably spent five years developing and you're and, and you, you can't give twenty dollars to one of your favorite properties that's, right. like, see, that's
1: see the thing the thing for me that makes me mad the pricing I find bizarre like I understand 20 because things are 20 like I just get that because DVDs are 20 there's things in the movie industry that are twenty dollars thirty dollars now we're talking something different where'd you come up no, with that what where'd you come talking, up with that number
0: you're talking disney you yeah. get disney premium they always are coming at you that mouse, the disney
1: tax the,
0: the cute looking mouse bites you in the ass every yeah. single time and it has since the 50s and <clears throat> you keep going back
1: oh you want to watch bill and ted that's going to be 20. Oh, you want your kid to shut the fuck up? That's gonna run you thirty. <laughs> like I think that's I think that's what's going on. I think they're just poaching <laughs> poaching their audience. Oh, and how many how many kids were like, oh, cool, Mulan. Uh, yep, cool, sounds good, sounds good. Thirty. Don't even know what that says. Cool, sounds good. And then mom gets a credit card statement.
0: Like, well, see, here, here's the thing. I paid twenty dollars to watch Bill and Ted. Save mankind. There you go. For thir- for thirty dollars, you were invited into the happiest place on earth. So right. without, but but without Bill and Ted's, there would be no Earth or mankind.
1: And for, for free, 20 and for free on this podcast, I'm pretty sure JT just spoiled the Bill and Ted movie.
4: Wait, they won.
1: <laughs> I'm assuming they hey. saved mankind. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying
0: shit. <laughs> i'm not saying shit
1: that'd be awesome if they didn't actually bill and ted's just like a dark comedy about the end of the world
0: i will say that too soon as bad as some of those movies can be meaning like updated versions years after yeah you know what i mean like that that's like it takes super fans to like really love stuff like that the
4: last indiana jones (laughs) exactly like
0: it, it can be it you can venture into tarnishing legacy country, Um, but I will say that uh, it is a great movie. There are no like weird uh, 2020 like isms or whatever. Like it's, you know, like if you like part one and part two, you will like part three, it's good. If there's nothing embarrassing about it, and it's, it's legitimately see, totally I think a legitimately a fine movie.
1: I think a movie like that dies in the theater. Like, I think that one, if it goes to the theater, it probably just, there's like the six people that want that are nostalgic, they go see it, and then it dies a painful death. I think that that Cause, being cause, available on streaming makes it more internet-y and gives it more life than it would have had.
0: Yeah, because that way you're like, it's a niche thing, and you're like, you're you're fighting over theater space. Exactly. You're, fight, you're, you're fighting over, like, they can't, they just, if it bombs in the first weekend, how much longer can you keep it in there and be tanking money?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and so then like, it becomes a failure, and then it's in all the papers that it's a failure, total flop, blah, blah, blah. I, I feel like it lives better where the people that want to watch it can watch it at home and, and tweet about it, rather yeah. than the news gets to shit can the first week numbers, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that move, That kind of movie thrives in that.
0: Yeah, it's good. Um, I got a bone to pick. I got a, I got some hot beef.
4: Where's
1: your with, hot uh, beef?
4: Where is it? Where's the beef?
0: With HBO Max Uh-oh. or H- oh. HBO in general.
1: Real quick, can I mention something real quick before you get on that? Sure. This is about HBO and Blockbuster. If anybody's interested, there's a podcast about the Netflix effect called Land of the Giants, and it goes through how Netflix became a thing and destroyed Blockbuster while going after what HBO had. Uh, but everybody should listen to it. Go ahead, HBO. Cool.
0: Uh, So HBO is in a legal dispute, with, or not a legal dispute, sorry, contract negotiation with Roku, which is Roku is what I personally use to stream everything to my TVs in my house. So I can only use HBO Now, which is what they had before HBO Max. Now, HBO Max is w- everything that is current, but also that's where they're licensing their, the properties that they're... Uh,
1: it's their Netflix acqu- rip.
0: Yeah, it's, it's where they're acquiring like Friends and um, whatever fucking Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. But they do hold back some of their properties on HBO Max. And I would gladly continue to pay my money, but I can't even stream it. So Nikki and I, we watch one show a night because that's all our brains will allow. Uh, So you sit there and like one night we can watch on HBO Now because we want to watch, let's say Lovecraft Country. That's on HBO Now so I can watch it on my TV. The next night we want to watch some, I don't know, weirdo documentary only available on hbo max so now i'm watching a damn ipad in my bed
1: yeah that sucks they have they have the the most confusing rollout of all time hbo Mm -hmm. is the most hbo go hbo now and hbo max yes what the fuck are you doing pop them into one what are you doing like there's a reason netflix is beating you and you're trying to rip them is because they're obviously better than you look how confusing this is
0: Yeah, it's extremely confusing because you're trying to get it from all eras. But like I was I was just talking about this the other day. How did HBO and this is another thing. Why do why are these companies not thinking forward? How did HBO because it's been a proper it's been the number one premium cable since like probably 1985 or something like that. So they could have they could have had Netflix as well. They could have just been like, hey shit's going online. Let's get this going early. So that way we can be the home box office. If the home box office is on your phone now, like why are they waiting 10 years to even do this?
1: Right. You got to think. home box office is the most current thing you could possibly be called right now. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about Mulan going to the home box office and they have, squandered the opportunity (laughs) majorly like they could be the one but that that podcast i did or i mentioned uh land of the giants they talk about that like netflix's goal was to be like hbo and then magically netflix was so good that now hbo is running to try to be netflix
0: yeah it's weird
1: and and Uh, you can uh, tell they're running in a scatterbrained manner because HBO Go, HBO Now and HBO Max. I pay for HBO. I really don't know the difference. I just know that I buy HBO through Hulu. So I I have to go to Hulu to go to HBO Max. See, that's a different thing. It's so bizarre. Like I don't even know what's going on. the, The crazy thing about that is that's like a
0: backdoor way to do it. That's the way some people get it who have Roku. But all of this stuff is not available on the HBO Max version within Hulu. Gotcha. That's stupid.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I I guess like based on what box you get, that's what stuff you get. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, it's because they're the first ones to actually be locking people out, given like the streaming company is totally different. So Roku is a device company. Yeah. And they're, they're acquiring licenses to be able to stream it from your TV. So it's it's weird. It's like so it's, we've never really had to deal with that before. It right. used to be everybody gets everything. You gotta figure out how to stream it to your TV. When now they're actually doing separate negotiations within like Hulu is something specific. So Hulu is doing a negotiation to try and be the distributor of all these things. Just like Roku is, right. so Roku and Hulu are are actually competitors, and Hulu and HBO are not competitors. Right. So that's that's weird, yeah, right? Like when you think weird. about it, when you think about it that way, those are so many negotiations that you had no idea.
1: So like, you can't. Why, why, you... why
0: can't I just put it on my TV? Well, because you're not using the right thing to put it on your TV.
1: Right. So you can't watch Lovecraft Country on HBO Max.
0: You can. You can. Lovecraft Country is one that you can watch on HBO Now, HBO Max, and HBO Max within Hulu. But they like, I'll just take an example of, of one that I tried to do the other day, so I know that this does not work. There's a, a fun documentary on there called Class Action Park, which I think you would love. Okay. It is about a, the first water park in America in New Jersey in, like, 1978 until 1990 or something like that, and it's called Class Action Park because of all the class action lawsuits, (laughs) Right. because of, like, what they did is it was just some rich asshole from New Jersey that was like, I'm gonna make the biggest, baddest park in the world, and everybody is gonna, like, they're gonna do it because ours goes faster and they were making like roller coasters and shit out of PVC. Yes, And like, and like, uh, Uh, we we call
1: it, we call it the American dream or bootstrapping. That's what we call it. Yes.
0: But that is exactly what it was. He was like, he's out there like literally nailing, like plywood to the fuck to dirt and stuff. And like, people are, there was like six deaths there. And like, what. One of the, uh, one of the rides was literally, you know, what a Tarzan swing is, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, wh- like where you just string a rope up with knots in it, hang onto it and drop into water. Yeah. They did that into a freezing cold trout stream, <laughs> like a freshwater trout stream. So, that you know, it's gotta be 50 degrees. So they're just dropping kids into there. And like the, uh, like the workers were supposed to like egg everybody on if they if they got like nervous or scared and they'd be like hey you cry baby fucking joke <laughs> anyway so it's like the most new jersey thing you've ever heard of but that is called class action park for anybody who thinks this is funny it's hilarious there's a couple parts of tragedy where like it discusses The people who died senselessly because it was too dangerous, right? Uh, Like they. Hey, that's
1: that's a thrill ride.
0: I forget what they called the wave pool, but it was like the fucking like death pool or something (laughs) like that. Like people drowned every day in it. Uh, I would have gone
1: with Deadpool and then trademarked it and then charged it (laughs) back to Marvel.
0: Um, So that one specifically is only available on HBO Max. So like because I was trying to watch it and I'm like I can watch Lovecraft Country and now I got to switch over to my iPad to watch a documentary that HBO financed. Right. You know like it's like it's insane. Well it's weird
1: hooking it's weird hooking certain things to certain like certain licenses to certain properties you have like this license goes to HBO Max which is also licensed only to Hulu. I'm just this isn't real but I'm just naming things. So, like, if they're, like, Love Calf Country, available now on HBO Max, if you have Hulu, if you have Apple TV, if you have a Samsung television. Like, eventually, it's just going to be, like, okay. Like, are they going to start being, like, if you want to watch Friends, you have to buy a Vizio. Like, is that where this ends up? Like, what is this even?
0: it's Dude, it's weird. It's totally, like, when when you were buying your last TV, you probably thought, like, oh, I want to get a smart TV, so that makes this easier for me. Nope. You were not think like, I was thinking, oh, we use Roku, we know how to use it, so I'll buy, it. I'll buy a smart TV that has Roku built in. I was not thinking, oh, maybe we should give this streaming component a little bit more thought. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to watch HBO because we bought a Roku TV.
1: Right, yeah, That makes it makes the TV not usable, which is weird. Isn't that fucked? that's fucked that seems like a speaking of class action park that seems like something that's going to be a class class action lawsuit like I, I always went no smart TV because the uh, the NSA and then <laughs> and then but I have a cell phone in my pocket so I'm the idiot and because I have an Apple TV so I was like oh I don't need a smart TV I have an Apple TV like why would I why would I use their shitty remote when I can use this really nice, T- little tiny Apple TV remote, which I love. I would rather use that remote and their interface. So I get a regular TV and then just plug in an Apple TV.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so it's, and then like everybody's so self serving. So like Apple really wants you to do Apple TV or what do they call theirs? What do they call the uh, Apple Plus? maybe?
1: Yeah, it's Apple. Apple, I think it's Apple Plus or Apple TV. One of the, I think it's Apple Plus. You know what I mean? Like,
0: it, in what world do we live that Apple TV is not actually Apple TV? And they didn't think ahead and go, Apple TV is going to be our way to stream Apple TV.
1: Right, Instead, right.
0: Apple TV is just the thing you hook into the TV so you can stream Apple Plus. Do you know How my? Fa- ridiculous is that.
1: My favorite thing is that is this, and I'm one of them, so I'm making fun of myself when you when you go to talk to someone you're like i got rid of cable long ago nobody needs that and uh they were charging me 80 dollars oh, why would you ever do that and then i'm then they're like oh what do you use and you go glad you asked hulu apple tv i've got netflix i've got spotify i've got hbo it's like well, what's the price of that 110. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody's like, I cut the cord off cable, but I somehow pay $170 for more different stuff and watch less of it. You know what you've done? You it's just so funny. Out. You pay more
3: to cut out commercials though.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but all, you did, all you did was give yourself, you gave yourself like 11 micropayment cable bills instead of one big dog. But people are like, oh, why would you pay $80 for cable? I pay $12 for Netflix. And it's like, yeah, but you, and $14 for Hulu because you don't want to watch ads. And this, and that. It's so stupid. But I love that. I love the profit cable cutters. Oh, you have cable? What a rube. Is it 1994? And then, like, listen what I've got. It's like a million. It's yeah, so, it's so it's ridiculous. dude. And I do it. I mean, I was- I've. I cut eighty dollar cable, but I bet I bet all my streaming stuff is sixty to seventy dollars. Like it's just a. I basically pay the same amount to not have CNN, which is probably yeah. healthy in this in these uncertain times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's yeah. craziness, and it's just so, I mean I'm glad they're. Can you imagine how much money they'd pay if they didn't offer, or how much money they'd make if they didn't offer auto pay on all this shit? <laughs> Like nobody, nobody would remember the 11 cable bills they have. Yes,
0: absolutely. Man. It's so funny. I want to get kicked in the face. (laughs) That's what I feel like. I want to just kick me in the face. It would be
1: if they got rid of auto pay for one month, I bet the fees, the fines would be unreal. Like I bet it'd be so funny. Man, Oh, we
0: we we had no plans of diving deep into the uh, layer <laughs> of of internet streaming devices, uh, but that's where we are.
1: It's just so but- it's so dark though. Real quick, it it's so funny for people to complain about everything going on in the world, but we're all lucky enough. And I would I mean most uh, most people have Netflix and Amazon Prime between the two. It's most people in America we have the audacity to complain about paying for cable on auto pay while the rest while the rest of the world deals with real problems and we act like it's our time for misery it's like well yeah it's not as it might be more miserable now than it was a year ago but you still got hulu on auto pay like there yeah. are real problems in the world and hulu on auto pay ain't one of them <laughs> like it's just not like yeah, your grandma. Like I was listening to a podcast the other day. This grandma was saving baloney rinds back in the day and use them as string. That <laughs> that's different than having Hulu on autopay and not knowing the date it comes out. That is a luxury. It is.
0: It's wild. Like I think, I don't know if it's our generation or which generation it is, but like, Hey man, if you want something, you gotta fucking pay for it, pal. Yeah. You gotta I, pay for things that you want. I'm you know sorry how, that everything can't be free.
1: You know how they have Gen, uh, boomers and then Gen X, all those things? Yeah. And then they have millennials and Gen Z and all these, fuck that, let's get rid of all of it. We, we're gonna keep boomers and then we're gonna keep Gen X and then everything from millennials till the end of time is called generation bitch about stuff. <laughs>
0: How about generation free? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But just, but then you're going to bitch about everything. Even if it's not free, you're going to bitch about it. If it is free, you'll find a way to bitch about it. Just compl- generation complain about stuff is is post-Gen X till the end of time. That's you know what's crazy, though, about stuff like that
0: is we want stuff, we want everything that actually enriches our life to be free. So you want music to be free. You want movies to be free you want books to be free you want education to be free you know what you're totally fine paying for fucking cigarettes <laughs> you're totally fine hey how yep. much are these 12 bucks perfect how much are they now 20 bucks perfect how well, much are they now <laughs> 50 dollars a pack perfect take Everything I can, just give me the fucking cigarettes.
1: That's also a chemical addiction, which is a little different than like, well, how much is Hulu? It's $8. Okay, that's, that's cool. A, but but I'll that's pay, a
0: serotonin addiction.
1: But I'll pay $4 more to not have ads. By the way, that, and I do that, I am in that, I am in the camp that pays $4 more to not watch an ad on Hulu. I have no business complaining about anything monetarily. If I'm doing that, I am living the life of luxury. That is, a gold, that, is, that is like having a golden toilet. Something completely useless, you just wanted it. <laughs> that is that.
4: You rich fuck.
1: I am. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm paying $4 to not watch an ad for Colgate, I am actually in the world globally no, it's... a rich asshole.
0: <laughs> are, you, are you telling me that you're a Hollywood elite?
1: De- I definitely I mean that would make me an elite if I'm willing to give that money for that and then I have the audacity when they ask me for money for this charity at Publix to say not today like, <laughs> <laughs> you could also think
4: about four dollars a month think about how much time that's saving you
1: oh yeah oh yeah and I'm really using it to change the world I'm taking all oh, that man. time I would have spent and I'm just changing the world with that
4: <laughs> uh, probably for every hour show do you think it's 15 minutes worth of commercials? Yeah, 20 it is. minutes. I mean, it's like well, 40,
1: you, an hour no. show is 43 minutes on like your
4: yeah. stuff. So now we're
0: just using it as, Mark's an efficiency expert. Yeah. yeah. So he's, 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 bi- he's
1: a biohacker, really. Yeah. What,
0: what if I told you for the extra $4 a month, I could save you three hours of commercials? And much, you could take how, yeah. those three hours and you could buy lottery tickets
1: with it. Right?
4: How much TV do you watch a day? Let me tell you how much time you're wasting. That
1: would be worth it if I looked at that one hour and it turned into 43 minutes and I go, you know what? I'm going to do 17 minutes of philanthropy. Mm-hmm. But what do I'm it. actually doing is like, oh, that's cool that that's already over. I'm gonna go uh, bang my head against a wall for an hour and look <laughs> at Twitter. Like that yeah. is completely different.
3: Here's what I do. Is- I, I always say like, oh,
1: cool that. Well, The Simpsons. That's a 23 minute
3: episode. I'm gonna watch two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is it with you, What is
0: it with you and the fucking two Two-for-one banger? Two banger. <laughs>
1: He's all
0: he's just he's just looking for a value. He's, You're just, perfect. he's a perfect young man looking for a value. me and Leah, matter?
1: me and Leah are watching me and Leah are watching Big Love right now cause I never yeah. saw it. We're watching it. So you would be perfect for that show, Poppy. Get yourself two wives. Move to Utah, <laughs> little twofer. It's
0: about efficiency. It's all yeah. oh, about efficiency. That's
4: a get one, get one. that is.
0: <laughs> I love the idea of Poppy's brain just thinking in pairs. <laughs> He's thinking, ooh, no matter what. Hey, I was gonna thinking about buying a house, but like I could buy the one next to it. They offered me two for. <laughs> Doesn't matter. No, it's you not move a monetary. Thing. All you do
1: is you move. You move here. You buy one property, doze the house, and you build two houses and sell them both for a shitload of money. That's a twofer. <laughs>
0: well, he's this place not interested for you. But he's not interested in making money. He's interested in the spending of the twofer. <laughs> Making money—that—that doesn't. The best, that's best that's out of the realm, man. How much is I that? How-,
1: how much is that house? Uh, it's one fifty. What if I got two? That's not. <laughs> that's not how that works. You're buying uh, this house, and you're like. That's
3: three hundred. But you what throw if it, I got two?
1: <laughs> You throw in that other house, they're like, no, that's not how housing works.
3: It's one fifty for one, but if you buy both of them, we'll do it for two fifty. Sold. <laughs> Done. That's, what,
1: that's what you look like, and then you'd keep one house empty, and then you'd live in the other, and you're like, "Man, it's two for <laughs> just, just a understand. better deal.
3: Better I Better deal, really.
1: Two for two for five. In your mind, two you didn't f- spend an extra hundred thousand no. dollars. got you got two. I got fifty thousand for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 yeah exactly. That is exactly it. All right, well, let's get to the thing we're actually talking about today. Oh my God, really? We're talking about <laughs> we we're, ta- we're let's let's start, shall we? We're talking about life changing music, life changing albums. Um, yeah, and that's the main that's the topic. So who wants to start with? not not don't start your top three, but just what? What something means to you that would even qualify it as a life-changing
0: album? Uh, to me, there are there's there so much good music in the, you know, of all time. I know that seems silly, but, like, there are so many different angles that you can look at but feeling, energy, and emotion have to come into it. What is something that like touched your brain as much as it touched your heart? What is something that moved you either uh, to tears or to frenetic energy that made you get out and do something or made you get out of a certain feeling and into another feeling like we're musicians so we think about things differently because like you've constantly been trying to like forge your own way through most of your adult life uh, so like it, it's kind of weird for us and like your first thought might be what is something that has been impactful to our career but that's not life-changing you know what i mean that's not that might be career changing or that might be inspirational, but I don't consider that to be like, holy shit. If I was a school teacher and like the band didn't pan out and I was only in a local band for a little bit and then I finished my degree. There is still, there are still albums out there that are life changing to everybody, you know? So like, I don't want to, I did for mine, I did not look at it through the lens of like, man, you know, in 2003, uh, we heard this album and like that's the whole reason that Hawthorne Heights is like a big band. You know, like I did, I tried to not go there whatsoever. I tried to like do it in my own personal musical journey that made me uh, like sort of a musical trail, but also like uh, like a a spiritual trail, if you will, as well, at the same time, something that made me like a deep dive.
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, who wants to go next with what they think a life-changing album means?
4: I think it's pretty similar. I didn't. I didn't approach it as like what what made me play guitar the way I play guitar, but I definitely approached it as like i when I after a certain age when I got into trying to play guitar and writing music or whatever, like if a record had a big impact on me it was like there are certain things that made me think about like oh wow like I this kind of stuff's cool and like influenced me you know yeah but yeah. so it's all kind of the same thing but um and I think for me and I'm sure for all of us it has to do with kind of like where you were in your life and your age and when you heard certain things and nostalgia and all that oh, yeah. but
1: that's always involved
4: yeah for sure Poppy? but like I did it
1: Oh, okay yeah, sorry
4: yeah. sorry good i right, so i just i didn't try to think of i didn't try to get epic on it and i just try to think like and it was actually harder than i thought it would be because there's certain records that i'm like i don't listen to this all the time anymore but man like at the time that like steered me in a, a direction yeah. that like influenced stuff i got into and just kind of like my my tastes you know
3: right poppy for me I mean, even picking three, it, it's so hard because I've been listening to music my entire life. So there are definitely, uh, maybe, yeah, there are albums that kind of were a soundtrack to my youth, but there are, but narrowing it down to this three, uh, you know, thinking about, okay, what did this record do? Like, it, it, it's more than, oh, I really like these songs. It was probably opening a, a door to something that was new to me and maybe exciting, maybe dangerous. Like that. That to me is like if it made me change the way I think, then that's the qualifications yeah. for me. Like I still love all of the records that I that I'm gonna that I'm gonna talk about, but they're not my favorite records by any means
1: yeah that's exactly that you did you did the closest to what i did i'd like i tried to pick like probably i mean one of them is my my number one is my favorite album of all time but the other ones they're not my favorite records but they are stuff that like i use as like stuff that when i heard it it changed what music was for me i'm like well that like that is some like and then you just think about it over time you're like what even is that and they stand the test of time and all that stuff. And I tried to pick one of mine, uh, spoiler alert, it is pretentious, but I heard it, the first time I heard it was in 2017. So I also wanted to pick something that wasn't just from high school. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted to pick one that was like, you can still have your mind changed on what music is when you're 35 years old.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for Um, sure.
1: But I I looked at mine as like something that when you listen to it, or when I first heard it, it blew my mind that it was even possible. And then when I s- listen to it now, it kind of still blows my mind in the same way. That's kind of where I was going, just because it question it ask a question of what even is music.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's rip it. Let's do number th- Let's do. Let's do number three.
1: Yep, we're gonna go around the horn for the listeners. We're gonna go around the horn. <laughs> We're going to start with everybody's number threes. Talk a little bit about them. Then we're going to move to number twos around the horn again, and then we're going to do number ones. So here we one, go. What's one
0: that? thing that I one thing that I think that will will be cool that I wanted to add to that is, let's let's give our opinion on each other's like albums. So like if you've even heard it, you know, because like we could learn. from each other we can learn from each other you know like there's i I guarantee a couple of you guys are going to list albums that i have no idea exist and maybe it turns me on to at least giving it a shot and like understanding it from your perspective uh so like i think that's interesting
1: yep for sure all right poppy it's a hard one to do but you're first
3: i'm first i chose to be first uh so my first record number three your third iron maiden number number my yes my first pick number 3 in the list is iron maiden's number of the beast i was 10 years old when i came across this album and and the reason why i'm choosing it is because in my household that was off limits it was satanic it was metal it was everything that i was not allowed to listen to like i had to hide all of that shit um so that's kind of the first thing is where it's it's kind of uh it's dangerous like if i get caught with this record i'm in fucking trouble <laughs> but but i was so obsessed with it like i can remember every day we had quiet time like do you guys remember having quiet time in school where you just, yes. just lights out mm-hmm. you just put your head down well i had a fucking walkman and i listened to number of the beast every day i was always like i'm gonna paint that album cover on the back of my jacket one i'm not an artist two my mom would have fucking killed me (laughs) but but like that record it doesn't have the best iron maiden songs on it doesn't have my favorite but it has it, it was the one where i was like okay this is cool this is this is really evil but it's not like a scary record and I and I found out that Iron Maiden what I thought that what I thought they were gonna be is not at all what they are they're very melodic they're way more punk than p- people probably realize especially like the Christian folks that like they probably thought it was just super fucking scary and it's really not I mean but yeah I think the biggest thing is it was a taboo thing and that made me want to rebel and I kind of have the rest of my life.
1: Well, you were, you were on the, that record for you is only tab, not only taboo, but all taboo. If you're like in a Christian household, you're not supposed to listen to it. Boom. That's amazing. Now, mm-hmm. during quiet time, I'm getting fucking loud up in his head. <laughs> like everything is the opposite of what you're at. That, that's the connection of the contrast is like what makes that magic, which is and,
3: cool. and, and like rebellion. Sitting, yeah, yeah. It's complete rebellion. I'll show you
1: quiet time. Boom.
3: Exactly. We- like just hearing the speech at the beginning of Number of the Beast the song in this classroom 10 years old like my hormones are starting to fucking rage and there's this guy talking evil. Oh my god. <laughs> what a fucking banger. <laughs> what do you what are you in like 5th grade then maybe? I'm in fi- I'm in 5th like grade. 5th 5th yeah. grade I'm wearing white sweatpants. I'm wearing a fucking crop I'm wearing like a cutoff crop top shirt. Nike times are, good. Tops.
0: Times I've are got, good
3: I've got Copenhagen in
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Copenhagen maiden quiet time that is about as poppy as it gets that's an origin yeah, I, story if I've ever heard one
0: definitely uh so so my thought on that is uh I'm a big Iron Maiden fan as well but I fall under the the category of when I was growing up, I grew up in a small town, and the only people that I saw wearing Iron Maiden shirts and back patches are people that you did not consort with. So these look like Heshers, like full like long hairs, if you will. (laughs) Uh, So, and you know, like I was a sports guy. I'd never heard any of that stuff. So I just assumed that Iron Maiden was a heavy, screamy, satanic, like that type of stuff. Uh, You know, more along the lines of like, exactly, like Slayer, uh, Thrash. And they could not be further from that. So my Iron Maiden story, when I actually started listening to them, uh, when we were in A Day in the Life, we were, uh, we did a three-day weekend with this band called My Hotel Year. And um, they played within their set like a couple little snippets of Iron Maiden songs. And we were like, whoa, what is that guitar playing? Because it was all like crazy and harmonized and everything. And then they're like, oh, that's actually an Iron Maiden song. And we're like, really? So we went out and bought uh, one of our first expenditures uh, when you flash forward like two years in the van we bought edward the great uh the iron maiden's first like big greatest hits remaster uh and i remember driving every to every best buy in texas when we were on tour trying to find edward the great
1: that's the one where he's on the throne right like he's sitting on the throne
0: (laughs) yes we were looking we looked for that everywhere and we eventually found it and we just cranked it up and man uh, yeah, Iron Maiden sounds nothing like people think. You're right. They're, if, if you took the, the, like, melodic metal, classic metal style vocals away and just listen to that, you could make punk songs out of most of that stuff. You really yeah, could. For sure. Yeah.
1: The funny thing is the people that wore that stuff, I would only – it's somewhere in between uh, – what's that movie? I just watched it with Matthew McConaughey where he's the guy in – the older guy hanging out with the high school kids. What's that movie called? Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused. It's like that look is in between Dazed and Confused and like a county fair badass. Like that's what, <laughs>
5: Yeah.
1: when they have, like your, that's like county fair shit is the Iron yeah, Maiden definitely. backpatch. All right. Um, so I'm next. My third one, this is the pretentious one, but uh, this is a life changer for me. So in 2017, now this record, I'm just going to mention it. It's the artist is William Basinski, and the album series is called Disintegration Loops. And he made it after 9/11. It's like a New York guy, and he made them in like 2003. And all they are are loops he's created that he put on tape, and then he runs the tape until the tape dies. So if you listen to it, they're like 20 minute songs. And when you listen to it, the tape dies as you listen to it. So it's like decaying and going away. And then like, it's just a tape being ruined, recorded. And that's his music. Which I heard that the first time I heard it was in 2017, just surfing the internet, looking for stuff to listen to. And that honestly changed what I thought music could be. Like at the age of 35, I'm like, this is completely insane. Like tape decay being music, like his, his instrument is a tape reel die, like a piece of tape being destroyed by running it over and over and over and over. If you do it long enough, it's going to die. You record that. And then that's a song. So that is my number three. It's, it's not, it's not something I listen to every day. It's not my favorite album of all time, but it did change what I think music could be. Um, and it's fucking great. If you want to check one out, disintegration loops three is my favorite one. It's two songs that are like 20 minutes long. It's just a loop over and over and over and you hear a tape die and that's it.
3: I remember you talking about this. Yeah. We were on tour.
1: Yeah, I played it on Warp Tour all the time. I just put it on the boom and just walk around the the bus.
0: (laughs) That to me is not really dissimilar to when uh, the Beatles really started to push the envelope into like the basically the Beatles and Pink Floyd really pushed the envelope as to what people were considering music.
1: Yeah, I consider because, it to be the same. My reaction was probably the same as those people's reaction. Like yeah, was, like
0: you, because if if you're used to uh, hearing like two and a half minute pop songs and you think that that is music, yeah, like this is expanding that times a million.
1: Right. Like if you, you if know, you like, heard, if you heard only Elvis Presley and you love that, and then Sergeant Pepper comes out and you put it on the first time, we will never get to experience what your brain hears.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: But when I hear something like this Basinski thing, I have what I imagine that feeling probably was of going, I like this. I don't even know what it is. And I've never thought about this even being something I could hear. Like I get yeah. that vibe from this, these albums.
0: Yeah. It's cool because it's like a, uh, and I've never heard it before. I'll check it out. Uh, meaning I've never consciously heard it. I've probably yeah. heard it when you're listening to it, but not like not listening to it for a certain reason. Right. Right. Um, uh, so it's, you know, like a conscious sonic awakening. Yep. which is I mean, cool. he just runs a loop,
1: tapes it together, and then records the tape going over and over, and then eventually tape just gets destroyed because it's tape, and you hear it getting destroyed. So, like, highs yeah. and lows leave, and then it gets yeah. distorted, and you hear the the sound of it going over the actual tape splice itself, and it's all this yeah. <coughs> constant yep. moving thing, and then eventually it dies, and then it's on to the next one. It yeah. just blew my mind that that's what somebody considered, somebody had the idea to do that, and call it music
3: that's yeah.
1: cool yeah that's cool so all right mark you're up number
4: three uh, i picked siamese dream by the smashing pumpkins i've heard i uh it's it's a little little gem might be on some people's radar uh i i kind of got into the, like the grunge thing and really punk rock stuff and this hit me at a time when i was like i i, I just never listened to like zeppelin or like guitar solo a rock and or anything super i don't know technical and something like this came out and everybody on it's kind of it's like pop music but it's just i don't want to say shreddy but it's definitely like everybody in the bands playing playing some intricate stuff at times and it it just kind of opened my eyes and it's it's uh it's got a lot more prettier parts than like the stuff i was into and kind of showed me that that could be cool and a lot more intricate stuff going on with that but um i don't know it just hit me at a time that really made me think about music in a different way as far as you know i was listening to a lot of guitar rock stuff and this was more there was just more depth to it than everything i was into at the time
1: that's awesome that's a good record
4: Mm -hmm.
0: yep i'm a i'm a big pumpkins fan uh, i've always been on record as me thinking that the pumpkins are way more influential than nirvana specifically to me because of the yeah uh because of them taking what kind of was happening at the time which was grunge but having that beauty in it in that prettiness in it in that melody in it whereas that was not the intent for nirvana nirvana was the was the meaner side the dissonant side the aggressive side so that's why the pumpkins for me was the perfect band at that time period um i just i for some reason i love what it sounded like when their interpretation of that was was yeah. you know like billy Corgan just had a better sense of melody because he was searching for melody, whereas Kurt Cobain seemed to be more searching for uh, whatever his point of view was at that time. Thrashy, Pumpkins also grungy, punk.
1: Pumpkins also rode the wave of grunge, but throughout riding the wave, they were constantly doing stuff against the wave. like yeah. Like double albums. In the middle of grunge, you would never make a double album with an orchestra and yeah. still keep it in the grunge world. They somehow figured out a way. They were always like riding that wave, but going against the grain the whole time, which is cool. But they are new, new like, stuff. Like, you heard the two new songs? Yeah. Uh, one of them sounds exactly like Shania Twain. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a good song, but it's Shania Twain's song.
0: Um, you know, what's what's crazy is if you think about the pumpkins and like, I think that they released two bangers in a row I love yeah. Siamese Dream, and I absolutely love uh, Melancholy. Even the Melancholy, if Melancholy was trimmed down to one album, it might be the best album of all time, or one of them. But yeah, I agree. That but it's the idea was opulence. The idea was to, you know, to make that crazy big thing. But I. Thinking about it more like on the musical side, I don't find it to be dissimilar to what Guns N' Roses did. So Guns N' Roses came out with Appetite for Destruction, which was a full-blown banger. And then they did Use Your Lotions 1 and 2. And that is also more opulent. That's where you got really grand versions of songs like November Rain and stuff like that. And that's why Guns N' Roses is not like jokey or hokey you know what I mean? Like when you're thinking of like hair metal and stuff like that. And I think that's why Sami's, or that's why the pumpkins also aren't jokey and hokey because they had that like, like pretty serious musical invention.
1: Yeah. They were there. Yeah. They were first to a lot of trends, whether you like it or not. Machina, which is, I love Machina so much, but they were like, fuck it. We're incorporating electronic. Like yeah. on melancholy, they're like, fuck it. We're giving ourselves an orchestra. They, they were always first to like buck the trends, which yeah. is cool. All right, JT, yeah. number three.
0: Number three, um, going down the musical journey, for me is Saves the Day Through Being Cool. Uh, and the reason that I chose this album is because this was coming from a small town in West Virginia. I first heard about this band. Uh, so I never heard about Can't Slow Down. That was not even on my radar. I did not know it existed. Yeah, the, only, the only reason that I heard about Through Being Cool is because I was on my first tour ever with this uh, like kind of super punk band from Wheeling, West Virginia. And we were on the way back. And and, and I mean punk. I mean, these these people are like poppy types. These are like Stoics type people who like when, when the tour got sour, they were fine. Like asking for spare change, like in the city square. And I'm right. like, Holy fuck. What are you doing? You want to ask for money? How about we just have some? Right. Uh, but anyway, so on the way home, the drummer wanted to stop at a record store in Richmond, Virginia. And we pull up to it and what they end up, what they're doing is they're trying to steal records. And he's trying to, he's trying to, (laughs) seriously, he's trying to steal this record. And I'm like, saves the day, that sounds kind of wussy dude. And this is like when I'm full blown into like fat wreck punk rock, you know, like I'm all about like just fucking being punk uh, or what I thought was being punk. Um, And like, I just remember seeing that poster on the wall four dudes on a couch and i'm like dude this is not gonna fly man this is not punk there is no way that this is good this (laughs) is like i bet this is like for lack of a better term this is wussy shit you know what i mean like and uh and then it probably took me maybe maybe two months and then i actually like listened to it got a copy of it and listened to it and I truly feel like this is the first time that I heard emotion real lyrics about girls the the sound of sorrow and heartbreak and hope set to like what I would come to know as melodic hardcore Uh, I had never heard that sound before you know it was like you had mainstream radio and then you had the punk explosion happening. This was this weird side niche that I didn't know anything about. That like, this wasn't like, you know, like Blink-182 is my, one of my favorite bands, but if they're singing at this point, if they're singing like, damn it, you know, like that's a jokey love song, like a jokey pop punk love song. These the lyrics that Chris Conley was doing on uh, "Through Being Cool" sounded like you wrote them after you just got dumped and then had to go to a party and act like everything was cool. You know, Mm -hmm. like they were like real lyrics. They it it cut me a little bit deeper hearing somebody that I thought was actually digging into his personal life and like putting it on display. For everybody. I'd never heard that. That was my first experience yeah. walking walking down that aisle in the music. Uh, so it, it was important to me, not only as like developing me as an artist or whatever, but developing my relationship to music in general. That was, I can, I can honestly say that was one of the times that I was like, whoa, this is different. And this is like this made me feel something. Do you I consider, always, do you consider, Always
1: happen. do you consider through being cool as pop punk?
0: I consider it to be melodic hardcore because they're the riffs and stuff that they do are not really pop punk, but I think the vocals locks it back into pop right. punk almost. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, they're a weird band because of that. Yeah. Like if you could, if you compare another record that would, would have come out kind of similarly would be uh, Nothing Gold Can Stay by Newfound Glory. Those two records sound nothing alike. Right. Newfound Glory is clearly pop punk, even though they have hardcore leanings as well. But Through Being Cool is melodic hardcore.
1: Like I think I think through, I think Through yeah. Being Cool for me, I think it's the best pop punk I'm gonna put it in pop punk. I think it's the best pop punk album of all time. Like I think it is bar none. It's better so better than all the other ones that would be in the genre
4: it's aged Um, well too
1: yeah it's still good like it's still like i don't listen
4: to it all the time but when i put it on every now and then or something comes up like on a like a mix i'm like whoa yeah still sounds great
1: good ones i like that all of our all of ours that so far are completely different genres which is awesome
5: yeah
0: yeah but that's that's that was the interesting exercise yeah so we all three went in totally different directions without even discussing it within one another. I'm curious as to, if we're, cause some of us do have similar tastes. I'm curious as to are, are there going to be any repeats
1: Go among this?
0: Yeah. Among this three.
1: I think the thing, I, I think the thing that differentiates it is that we just said life changing albums. That's what we were going to yeah. talk about. And then whatever you think that is, that's going to be what your list is. So if yeah. I think that that means something different than somebody else, we're not probably not going to have crossover. If we do get crossover, it's probably one of the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> for sure, you know. All right, Poppy, <laughs> Numero
3: Dos. Dos. <laughs> My number two was a hard one. I've tossed this one back and
1: yeah, forth. two's tough for me too. Two sucked. It's hard.
3: I've got three three listed for number number two, and I'm gonna call it Audible when we get there. <laughs> I just I literally did while JT was talking. I'm like, all right, I'm changing my I, I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm changing it up. So my number two is a collection, but it is an album. It's by the band called The Descendants, and the album is called Summary. And essentially it's I don't know if it's a greatest hits or just if it was just like, hey, we have a bunch of albums Nobs out, it ends. Yeah. yeah but like it it literally is if you're a descendants fan it's their greatest hits but it was the first thing of theirs i got i had heard the album all when i was younger but i got summary by shoplifting so that's a that's a that was a big part of my that. man my man. That was a big part of my youth. I was I was kind of an asshole. I was two, shoplifting. Two record stories involve shoplifting so far, right? <laughs> so so anyway, so I stole this I stole this cassette. Um, but the the biggest thing was is I had already heard some of these songs because they were on skateboard videos. And that is like a huge skateboarding and music went hand in hand for me. Yeah, And I had heard the Descendants on a couple of videos previous. <laughs> so I was familiar with them, but this album itself gives you the spectrum of everything that they do, which is right incredible hooks and pop songs, but they're a punk rock band so getting getting this like really fast raw music but where you can understand the words and the guys singing it just kind of blew my mind in the sense of like oh holy shit punk doesn't have to be like punk can be anything you want it to be i mean they are they are the beach boys but played by punk rock guys so yeah, it it's just incredible. My my favorite descendant songs are on that collection and and they are my favorite band. So they just they changed everything I thought about music entirely from the get go. But so And that's real quick wonderful. for the
1: listener, summary is spelled S O M E R Y, if you want to listen the,
3: to it. And the descendants are spelled different too. With an E. That's right. Yeah. They want you, they
1: they're trying to be as ungooglable as possible.
3: Goddamn right. Uh, they and they predate they are, Google. And, <laughs> and, and even I'm I'm drinking out of a Descendants mug today, so I'm all Descendants <laughs> nice. all the time. All I in. love
1: the idea that they did not see Google coming. And if you type Descendants, it'll be like, did you mean Descendants as in the Disney Channel film? <laughs> oh <Descendants>? yeah. <laughs> uh, that that album I'm looking it up released in 1991, 28 songs. Fifty-four minutes, and the best thing on the cover—it says "summary, previously released material," <laughs> which is hilarious.
3: Pretty awesome. Not, not a damn B-side on it. Don't even need to put something special.
1: No, it's great.
3: And, and guys like me, we'll go out and steal it.
1: Yeah, is it your fa- Do you think it's the greatest album of all time with a song called "Wiener Schnitzel" on it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <they> <laughs> fuck. <laughs>
4: they influenced so many bands that went on to be huge they it they're just awesome they they definitely like showed that you can be pop in punk because i think yeah. before them punk was fucking punk yeah, yeah right. well exactly like,
0: the the thing that like made me disconnected from descendants for the longest time is not understanding what the hell they were trying to be because they sound totally different than like almost anything else in that realm, but watching things and like, like I hit my big punk phase. Like I didn't even know that that music existed in 1991. I had no access to it whatsoever. So like, everything that they were doing from then and before I had no access to. Uh, I first heard them on Everything Sucks and then like imagine I'm used to listening to this would have been my freshman year in college it would have been 96 when it came out or or 97. I can't remember uh, the time of the year but like so like imagine you think that like heavy and melodic punk rock music is the offspring and then you try to hear what they're doing on guitar and it's supposed to be within the same realm so like and i always felt like with the descendants i wasn't in on the jokes like because i got into their career 20 years after the jokes so like once i once i looked back on it and and like even recently seeing the documentary made me understand like early 80s Los Angeles, Southern California style punk rock and how they were influenced and playing shows as much with black flag as they were like other things that sound nothing like them. So now I like started to understand the blending together of hardcore music, which created this weird pop punk style, uh, and hearing like, like their music is bizarre. And then they also have like these like skits and jokiness to them and stuff like that. That's what makes them unique. And like there for the longest time, like I just did not get it, did not understand. I was too uh, coming at it from so much later than anybody else I just felt like it was a joke that I wasn't in on but I and, love the Descendants and
3: when you and you say like you know they're they, they are kind of weird but they're you know their counterparts the bands they were playing with were were Black Flag the Circle Jerks the Minutemen these bands that are Adolescence, probably. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, um, so like bad those, religion. Those bands yeah. are all kind of weird too, like in the sense of like
0: it was that style. It was the SST style. It was yeah. just
3: that and, weird. Well, they're
1: all thrown into punk, but they're yes. yeah. But when you listen to yeah. them, they're all like whoa.
3: They're like, they're they're all every spectrum of punk you could possibly get. Yeah, and SS yeah. and SST, like that's the thing. My all three of my records in my top two position are all SST records. And I went down a rabbit hole last night of, like, old SST stuff. That was the most important record label in my life. You know, like, those records now, my favorite records are released on that label. Like, my top probably 20 favorite records. But it's because all of those bands had something different, but they all had a common thread. The Descendants were just the most... There's a joke in like, I don't know who I just heard this recently, but there's always a joke of like, they're the band that your girlfriend likes. Like, it's the hardcore band your girlfriend likes. The descendants were a band that every dude and every musician was like, fuck, yeah but girls were probably like, oh, that's cool. Like, Black Flag or Circle Jerks, probably not, but the Descendants, like... Yeah, the 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 sense of melody. It wasn't... uh, And it
1: wasn't all testosterone-based. Like, Black Flag was just testosterone on a stage. Like, it's just like, let's fucking go.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And Whereas Descendants
1: are like, well, we're gonna... We have, like, really good melodies, so check this one out. Like, it's a little different.
3: And they... And, like, when... I mean, the drummer, Bill, he's the, the primary songwriter... He was in touch with his like emotions and his feelings. He's pouring that shit out, like. And as a young boy, like all these songs about girls and like crushes and heartbreak and fishing. Oh my god, <laughs> and fishing! I mean, yeah, I mean, coffee. He kind of spoke to like every teenage boy. Yeah, and, I mean, and I was a kid from the Midwest, but it. it there's no other band that has that impact, and I think so many people can say that about that band
4: i think they were just so different but then like their reach and influence on so many things like blink and stuff that's went on to be more mainstream now descendants is so much more of an accessible thing it's crazy probably because of of its full circle think about how crazy it is with sst at that time kind of pre alternative like the early sst stuff so think about like that's why it's all so different because there was like mainstream and pop and like hair rock and then punk and mm-hmm. punk was like so many different things and there wasn't internet. So all those bands were just kind of localized and get together and start a band. And like what you did was what you did. And then they were all different. The only thing they had in common was they all signed to SST, you know, but like, yeah, um, it was so wild.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of like, I was kind of mad at myself there for the longest time that like I didn't really get into the descendants because they have everything that I'm looking for. And by that that time, I mean in the 90s. I don't mean now. Like I didn't wake up one day and go, man, the descendants ruled. It was like, it just took me a while to understand the lineage and everything because I just wasn't clued into it. But like, they just, they have everything you want. They they are as heavy as you want at certain times, as pop as you want at other times, all like doing the most ridiculous musician weirdo shit. Uh, But also, it's like a bunch of dudes acting like dudes. Like, it just sounds like a band (laughs) stepped out of a tour van and like walked into a gas station and that's what they sang about. Um, And then, you know, their love for coffee, they have a fucking like a mascot they have like a great (laughs) logo there's like nothing you can't there's nothing wrong with them
1: and like just did like everything they did is like what we wanted to yeah it's like okay cool and
4: they did all this stuff themselves like like if you dig deep into them and watch the documentary i know we have but like to people listening they ended up getting so diy they built their own studio which is the blasting room which is where like rise against and a lot of these bigger bands record now in the punk genre and like uh, all that, all the descendant stuff from like Everything Sucks onward sounds amazing. And they recorded yeah. it all themselves. It's right. insane. Like, I, I saw things about they were touring and they like, at one point they moved to like, is it Oklahoma or Kansas or something? They moved there because they looked and did the research and it was strategically located where they could tour and get to where they needed to be and be centrally located. And also the cheapest place in that in that general area that they could find, like, to live and where they all knew they could find jobs. So their band just, like,
3: moved to, like, Oklahoma or wherever it was yeah. and, like... I think, I, I think it was Kansas. Yeah. Um, but, y- yeah, I- I'm just going to go on record. I mean, I'm sure I could find fault with a song or two, but they're a fucking perfect band.
0: Yeah, like, they, they they like, they, aesthetically, sonically, like, everything, like... You look at that the and logo is the logo it just yeah. it just is classic. Yeah. It is like and I just didn't understand it. You know, like that's the thing is like, you know, for some reason you ran within a circle that like got stuff way quicker than I got stuff. And like I just out of nowhere, Blink one eighty two comes out and now like I'm the one is all or sorry everything sucks is all uh like all over mtv Mm -hmm. and i'm like who is this band so like it just took a little bit for me because like i didn't understand who this band was are they old are they like you know what i mean like i just didn't know anything about it but
3: like and i I you come from you know i where i was living at the time it was really small town ohio but i had a skateboard I had skateboarding and skateboard videos and that's how I found all yeah, that stuff yeah. had had I not had that that stuff would have never been on my radar either because again I wasn't allowed to listen to anything rock I wasn't allowed to listen to any any music really other than whatever was on the radio so yeah. I just happened to get lucky through skateboarding and find that stuff at a very early age and yeah, yeah. I didn't click till everything sucks for
4: me too i think I think I might have heard a couple of the other songs, but it just I think it was the production and they they were just such a better band by everything sucks i think but that made me kind of go back i i they released shortly after everything Sucks, I think they released uh a live record or maybe it was an all record that came with a double disc that sent us live it was, on it
3: was it was all that had that had the double Yes.
4: It had a live Descendants record in it, and they played a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. And I was so into Everything Sucks. And I got that live record, and I remember hearing all those songs with like that version of the band playing them live, and it sounded really good. And it made me like kind of want to go back and appreciate the older stuff. But I didn't get in until till later,
3: but yeah, they're awesome. All right. That's my number two.
1: Right on. Well, my number two. This is a record that blew, blew my mind when I heard it, and I think now when I listen to, it, I probably listen to it once a year. And the the longer it is since the record came out, the more it actually blows my mind, which is weird. But that album is Beck Odelay. It it is the craziest album I think I've ever heard in my life. And if you, there was like some singles to it, Devil's Haircut was on that one, Um, Where It's At was on that one. That album, I challenge you guys to listen to it again and put on headphones and listen to it straight through. It is the most insane record I think that's ever existed in all the music. Like it is, it's quintessential, like the whole album was written acoustic, like he made the music and was just acoustic, and then the, he got the Dust Brothers to produce it because back in the '90s, remember they were like the Dust Bruce. Brothers were doing some of that like electronic hip hop based stuff. But and so if you were if you can imagine these songs started on acoustic guitar, listen to Odalay, the finished product. It sounds seriously like the label gave him five hundred billion dollars and said beck do whatever you want and he goes you asked for it that's what the record sounds like to me it is like it has no genre it has no it's like a lot of samples there are some guitars but a lot of the guitars are you played guitar and then sampled it in as a sample not a guitar part it has like stuff that's like barnyard blues sounding he's got like hip-hop it is It has zero genre. It maintains kind of pop format, but there is no genre of music to that record to me. And it like that, I mean, if you haven't listened to it in a while, go listen to it with headphones. It is a mind blowing. No one would sit down and say, here's what I'm thinking. And you get that. It is like (laughs) so obviously experimentation. And then at the end, you just got what you got. And it was recorded over two years it's just an insane fucking album it's so i don't get
3: i don't think i've listened to it since it came out i mean i don't i don't think i've revisited it i don't think so. i've heard the whole thing ever actually oh I mean, my I give god a shot. You got, I've, I've heard
4: i've heard the singles and some of the other ones i know but not in a long time you know where i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to spotify
3: <laughs> And <laughs> that type that in right now. Good it's <laughs> Get that on. $14 there. worth right there. And by
1: and by <laughs> the way, there's a deluxe, there's a deluxe edition that's like double the time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. But just listen to the listen to the that record straight through and it's just total fucking chaos. It's insane. It lets you know you can make pop music out of anything.
4: You know what's that's stuff, fine. What's stuff like from that era that's like super artistic that makes me think of like um that time when like if you were an artist that had some success that if they believed in you at the label they'd give you that budget and really like like take this much time to go write the record we're going to send you here to record it is that's like makes that's what makes me sad about the artistic thing in the music industry because like not thinking about our band but just thinking about how many great records that we all grew up on that we love that never would have been made if like the artists weren't nurtured with that kind of environment to do something like that in an era now where like budgets are so tight and everyone's kind of it's you're supposed to crank a record out in a couple weeks you know like like it's just specifically that era in the like the late 90s and stuff like like so much art was made just by like hey we're gonna give you this go fuck around and like they're manipulating guitar sounds to make them sound like affected and weird like they were programmed but like you don't you can't just do that without taking the time to fuck around you know so uh, yeah
0: i mean there there's like i feel like exploration is not as uh heralded as it once was it's more yeah. about like how can we get this done quickly not how can we get this like like what roads can we go down yeah you know what i mean so it's like it's 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 strange for um, Odelay
1: for Odelay for that to start acoustic when you go back and revisit it think about that starting as acoustic it took two years to re- record and the mm. end product is what you hear. I have no idea how he got from point A to point B.
4: Yeah, it's yeah. like n- I nowadays, have no clue. It's, nowadays it's because of budgets and everything and everyone's just like, oh, you got some songs, okay, how, can you record them yourself or how quickly can we get this recorded? But back then it was like, we're gonna put you in this environment, take your time. We want, we want you to have, it's in our best interest to spend the money to have time to allow you to like fuck around and like right. make this great art you know and which is obviously things they did in the 80s and 70s but like like that's yeah you know, i was telling i was just saying that's what makes me so sad that it's just like that with with the with where things are in the industry and just it's just like modern stuff it's just like trying to make it as quick as possible which you know people are still creative in different ways and the, and the technology lets you manipulate things and fuck around with it quicker now, quicker now um it makes me sad that like when i think when i when you're talking about a record like, like that, it's like, is that so much harder to do now in the modern landscape of how people are expected to create a record? You know? Like, yeah. I mean, Beck, could, a, Beck could probably still do it because he's a genius. But it, like,
1: it is, I mean, he would, he would reinvent himself on every record. But yeah. it, is, it is like, it, okay, if, in, in, mid, in the mid 90s, if you wrote songs on acoustic, the fact that you could show a label those acoustic songs and say you want the Dust Brothers to produce it yeah, and have them go, like the label doesn't go, what? Like the Dust Brothers don't do it. What are you talking about? The fact that they just said, we trust you. Exactly. It, getting that record out of, I mean, that's major trust. I mean, two years mm-hmm. to record that. I mean, it started out yeah. acoustic and you got that. There's no way the label heard the songs and got what they thought they were gonna get. Like Nowadays, no... it would be
4: like, oh, you got to give me a little more. Well, you, there's, know, like...
1: well, you just wouldn't be like, I want to record the heaviest, the biggest metal album of all time. I want to make it the heaviest possible. Who do you want to produce it? Kanye West.
5: <laughs>
1: That's literally what Beck got to do. And it just, yeah. it like, it's just an insane, it's an insane album, front to back, and it's nuts. It has no genre. It has, it's, somehow it all works in like this, like weird, like, it has like a barnyard vibe to it. <laughs> like the whole thing is like kind of blues, but not really. It's yeah. fucking weird. But that I gotta check
3: it out. What year did it come out? Because I'm seeing two different things on here.
1: Um, I think ninety six. Okay, think. that's
3: yep. Oh, that's a hell of a year. Well, there's ninety six and then two thousand four, and I'm like, ah, That's probably
1: the deluxe or something they're or actually, something like they're, that. they're
3: actually backwards. The original says two thousand four, the deluxe is, uh ninety six. Oh,
1: okay, gotcha. Yep. But it's but, it's a crazy please go listen to it it's just a crazy record it i don't i still don't know what it is and the fact that they got lucky and got devil's haircut and where it's at like they made their money back on it and it it maintains pop but it's not pop at all but it has that it still could fit on the radio it's bizarre and some of the hits some of the hits you remember i think devil's haircut one of them six minutes long i mean everything about a song too everything about the record is just bizarre but that's my number two, Mark, you're up, man. I had like two was the hardest slot.
4: I had like four things that are sitting here in my notes. Um, but I went with clarity by Jimmy world, which, banger. Uh, I, uh, friend of mine that you guys know that, that played in Rob with me for a little bit, Ed Butler, uh, he, we would go skateboarding. We would always go down by the riverbanks and Dayton and skate. And, uh, he had a little boom box and he'd always bring CDs on his car and we'd skate to it. And, uh, he put on clarity. Now, granted, I can't say that I got in early at this point, bleed America was probably coming out within half a year. So, but he put that on and it just changed everything about the way that I was thinking about playing music. It's kind of like when you were describing, uh, how you felt about through being cool JT this was kind of like one of those moments for me it it just I was just like what is this this is like everything I like but then different and incorporates everything I liked about like some stuff growing up that was a little less punk you know and um it just made me kind of rethink everything I, at that point I was, I was into like a lot of pop punk and and stuff like that and uh it, it's just cool i just to this day it's uh it's still a record i'll put on every now and then and uh i love how everything's layered and uh kind of like the same thing with the pumpkins but in a different way there's pretty parts there's stuff that's like nothing's cliche like heavy but there's like riffs and heavy stuff but it's like got clean guitars layered over it and uh it there's like electronic elements that kind of was a different thing i really wasn't anything anything like that at the time and it, it was just super eye-opening to me um i think that's a game
1: it's a game changer in the emo world
4: yeah I, I it's it's still a big influence on like approaching layered guitars for me and um like i'd say we cite it i mean we cite jimmy at world as just like their production stuff in general but I think for me,
1: if you hear us play the the same thing over and over, over different chord changes, we refer to it as like, Hey, I love that Jimmy world part. Like we still do that. And it's from that record. Yeah. So
4: it just, it just kind of, that's a good one. Gave me a different way to look at things. The way it was put together is like, I I distinctly remember that time in my life, we would skate to that and I'd be like, what is this? And then out of nowhere, it was like, I got to get this. And we're just listening to it all the time so good but it was it was a weird thing because bleed american came out like six months maybe after that so like just as that was winding down for me we've been listening to this like crazy then like uh bleed american hit and we're like oh we got this to listen to you now so all right pretty cool
1: love that yeah all right jt number two
0: um well first of all clarity is truly an incredible record that is That is a band who was left to their own devices, recording every moment of magic that they possibly could without having somebody looking over their shoulder and being like, nope, move along, keep going. You know, this isn't right. This, Why are you taking this so much time? Uh, So to me, clarity is the best use of time. Mm-hmm. They had all the time in the world. That's the best use of time.
4: They didn't pay and for those Hulu commercials and they used that extra time is what you're saying.
0: They were maximum, <laughs> they were optimized, baby. But yeah, it's it's a touching record, a beautiful record, an intricate record. It really introduced drum machine and loops into mm-hmm. this style of music and the, the sense of melody between two guitars. It really showed you what it could do. Picking oh, yeah. two, two, two guitars picking in a counter rhythm with a counter melody. That's what it was great at. It showed you that like, if you just played one by itself, who cares? Yeah. When you play them both together, it created this just sheen like for the vocals to go over
4: like everything uh, was, every part was thought out, like nothing yeah, was just like, holding down the rhythm
1: well they were using they were using guitars more as texture than they were as like yeah, co- yeah. like playing different chords like mm-hmm. they were texturizing music more with the guitar was, yeah.
0: yeah, which is to me to me like and the vocals are so good. So like provided the perfect bed track to what he was going to do vocally. Because before that, vocally, it was, it wasn't very great. You know what I mean? Like, so this was, everything was like such a crazy step up, Mm -hmm. Um, which is cool. So my second album is Jimmy world bleed American, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely love clarity, but I'm not there yet. At this point in my life. So I heard Bleed American first, which allowed me to check back in on Clarity. And the only reason that I was able to check back in is because we're, we're Andy Saunders and I are driving to Crazy Fest in, what is that, 2002 maybe? Yeah. Something oh like God. that, I think. So that, the album would have just came out. So whatever year that is, I think it's 2002. Uh, and I'm not joking he is so mad when he picks me up and I'm like, dude, (laughs) we're getting ready to go to crazy Fest. This is great. And, uh, and he's like, I just got one of my favorite bands albums and it's terrible. And I'm like, who is it? Jimmy world. I've never even heard of this band, Andy. Let me listen to it. Let's let's, you know, I'll give you my, uh, honest assessment.
1: July 24th, 2001 is the release date of Jimmy world. Late okay, America. so
0: it, it would have been the summer of 2001 then, when yep. we're listening to this. Yep. Um, and so I listened to it and I'm like, holy fuck. Like, I'm blown away. So this was one of the best weekends of music in my life. I'm going down to see Crazy Fest, which I believe had Saves the Day, Fair Weather, uh, Thursday, you know, like all these bands. And on the way down I'm hearing one of the best albums I've heard in my entire life, which Andy Saunders hates. So, and he, he immediately forwards it to, uh, Hear You Me, the ballad on the record. And he goes, you have to listen to this you've never heard this band before clarity is a monumental record and listen to him he sounds like fucking john lennon may angels lead you in listen to him (laughs) that's an honest conversation that i had with him and i'm like andy you're insane i don't hear any of this put the record on start to finish mind is blown listen to it again immediately double shot listen to it again we get to crazy fest get sunburnt fucking to the nines. We sleep in his brother's apartment in downtown Cincinnati. This is Andy Saunders' logic, by the way. I have not lived in Ohio very long yet at this point. Instead of just getting a $50 hotel, we drove back to Cincinnati to stay the night, to wake up, to drive back to Louisville. That's insane.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, we probably listened to that album 10 times on that road trip and like just to me, that was the first album that I had seen everything be put together. It showed me how big this style of music could be at its best. Um, it had all the sonics that you wanted, like all the riffs and everything sounded great. Uh, It had lyrics that were really powerful and sounded like they were coming from the mouth of like, in the brain of like like a sensitive heart. And uh, man, some of those guitar riffs are just so good without being punk, metal, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like they were really, they did something different. Uh, then they use, they use like,
1: they use like a guitar riff to hook you. And then they use like the melody of this, of the the vocal melody to actually get you. Like they were perfect at doing that. Now granted for me, the middle, I am still fatigued from the middle. Just dude. If I never hear, if I never hear like that, that song and how many times I've heard it, just everywhere, movies, TV, Target, listening to it, just I am so fatigued that I can never, I probably can't listen to that album front to back because I know that song will come up.
4: It's its a skipper.
0: <laughs> you know what's crazy is like when you listen to that album, like I don't even, I don't think that that song is any better than the five other incredible ones. And I don't think it's that much better than the other six or seven semi incredible ones. That's you know, like, that's not a standout track to me on that album. It's as good as the other songs, but I don't listen to that and go, uh, you know, this, this song is a life changing, game changing. This is going to be the biggest song this band has ever done. Right. You know, like I, I, I don't think about it like that. I do think it's a great song and obviously there's fatigue everywhere over everything that is a smash. But, you know, I I just think from start to finish, it has absolutely everything you want. And it was, to me, it was such an impact because like I said, with the Saves the Day record, I'd never heard anybody do this before. And Saves the Day, that, that album sounds like the world's best rental hall band. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it just sounds like a bunch of guys in a a fucking $800 van driving to the next Knights of Columbus and writing songs about it and feeling heartbreak. Whereas Jimmy World, Bleed American, showed you how massive, if you put everything, every bit of that together and built the best version of it, that's how massive it could sound and how great it could be. Uh, so it's like an adult version of that.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Def-
4: it's so it's so cool that like they found success by taking. I mean, the songs are obviously great, but the difference between the biggest difference between that record, Clarity, and even some of the ones that came after it, is they simplified it. Like the production on that on Bleed American is so clean and everything sounds good, but there's not a lot of crazy stuff going on. Like the melodies and parts are so well pay- played out that like. The, it's kind of like a live take, a very well recorded. Everything's just mapped out exactly. Yeah, it sounds like a band. It sounds like a yeah. band
1: recording an yeah. album.
0: Well, it's it's the anti clarity. Yeah, it's the exact. So like I, after digging literal deep, bells
1: and whistles. Yeah. <laughs>
0: after digging <laughs> deep into clarity, after dealing with Andy Saunders and this monumental mishap of his, <laughs> uh, I understand if that's one of your favorite records of all time and then this is the album released after it, you're thinking, shit, I wanted, a be- I wanted more of that. And now I got the opposite. They took everything away from me.
1: Well, Andy probably has the same thing because Clarity was the first one I heard. And to me, Bleed American, now this is partly, this is partly because it was on the radio, but Bleed American sounds like a radio rock version of Clarity, which will never allow me to like, bleed american more than clarity obviously but yeah just because that's what it sounds like but it's simply because they got popular in bleed american that's the only thing really clouding my judgment so it's not really fair to the band but it's still in my head it just is what it is
4: it's also about when when it hit you when you heard first time whatever and yeah. versus like if you heard that one before it then
1: yeah yeah then that's, that changed
4: yeah. you then yeah. clarity
1: is probably a worse version of bleed american i'm sure because it sounds worse it the yeah. songs are probably not as well fleshed out but if you're clarity first then you're like oh bleed americans when they sold out you know what i mean yeah. like it's just yep just how that works
4: man what 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 about how good a, just clarity bleed american futures and i i would that's even a include, great
1: three record i band. would even
4: include chase the Slight because i think that record's great yeah, yeah that's, that's
1: a that, that is it's
4: you four need to, banger. Re,
0: you should have retired Only because that's like, you had your freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year, you've graduated. I don't know how you get better.
1: Yeah. And they all, and they're all, all those records are different. Totally
0: different.
5: Yeah, But,
1: But they're like, but they work as like a collection. Like you can put them on a greatest hits back to back and you're like, okay, I can see that that's the same band. But they are different records. They just have different vibes to them.
4: I love Futures just because how dark it sounds. It's probably like Clarity was life changing for me. Futures is probably my favorite one of them, though. All right, so yeah. good.
1: All right, here we go. The big, the big uh, numero uno, Poppy. I really enjoyed you smelling two candles, trying to pick which one you were gonna light. <laughs> with a a toothpick or a match in your mouth and then you decided which one you were going to light and then what I'm seeing on your picture you put it directly under a curtain and I I just was looking I was like if he sets that curtain on fire this is going to be the funniest video yeah
0: well the one thing that we learned about poppy on this podcast is he's a sucker for fucking two so you knew he wasn't going to have one candle
1: right yeah
0: you knew they were coming he went went
1: from one he goes okay no that one's (laughs) fine I like it and he's like, of course I like it. I bought it, and then he smells I, the other one, and you yeah, decided on number two, I think. Do you, let me let
3: me tell you something else. I didn't make that, or I didn't buy that. I fucking made it. There you <laughs> oh, go. Shit. These he's, are my
4: candles. There
3: there candles. He's, even,
0: he's even making them too for. Okay, week. fine.
1: So he's testing his own work. He's like, let's see, let's that's see. That's what I'm
4: what doing, dude. I'm, Hawthorne Heights—they print their own shirts. Now they're making their own fucking candles.
3: I've got I've oh, got crazy. one that's I got one that's coffee scented, and I have the other one's eucalyptus. I went with the eucalyptus. Very nice. I they're, like it. They're fine. It, it they're, was they're, really.
1: It was a pleasure to watch.
3: I, I'm. I'm <laughs> glad. I'm glad I could do it for you.
1: Glad. I'm glad you could put me. Uh, let me a little. Give me a little peek into the lab.
3: Well, as as I'm a two for one, I don't have one record. I got two. <laughs> you got two number one? <clears throat> no, I don't. I just okay. thought that'd be funny. Good. good. Uh, okay, I, did ha- I did I did have a challenge with this one, but my number one pick uh, is Faith No More. The real thing. And this album came out when I was 15 years old. I heard Epic on the radio. It was fucking everywhere. And I don't remember going to buy the cassette, but I still have the actual cassette in my living room that I bought when the album came out. And I just remember sitting at my dad's house during this summer. I was just laying out in the sun, reading along to the lyrics and th- that record like i kind of i was kind of a metalhead when i was young as i think most little adolescent boys are especially skateboarders it just metal is always kind of drawing us they were the most punk metal weird band i had ever heard like epic is just It's fine. It's I skip it if that album comes on if I play that record I usually skip epic because I don't give a fuck. I've heard it too much. It's it's the it's the worst song on the record But everything else on that record Shows you what kind of band that is and like how metal does not have to be any sort of defined genre um but once I got into that band more and realized where they all come from and like what their influences are, it all makes perfect sense. Um, you've got guys who are into the death metal who are into like weird shit. Mike Patton's it's his first record with them. He's a fucking nut job in the best way possible. And, and he's the, he is the best singer in rock and roll. In my opinion, he can do everything. Um, yeah. So I I don't real I can't even put this album into words other than the fact that I obsessed over this record and this band since I since I was 15 years old. Like yeah, it's it's the best goddamn thing. But that's not my favorite record for them. It's just the best changing album I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's it.
4: This, this one was like one of the ones that I had down as an audible that I wasn't sure on too. It was definitely hit at a point in time. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, to, I knew to, when we talked about this, I was like, if I don't hear Faith No More, I got a couple <laughs> of liars.
4: In uh, to, to be fair, I I didn't include it in mine because I was like, Poppy's probably going to pick one of them and I want to keep the variants. But it it, it was close. Uh, also, to keep with the theme of uh, every, every slot title, one, two, or three of this, someone has said something about something getting stolen. Uh, I was on my uh i think it was eighth grade the field trip to washington dc for school and uh uh one of my good childhood friends joe flick saw that i was talking about that record we stopped at like probably a truck stop or whatever. it was somewhere to get gas but they had t- tapes and shit he definitely stole faith and was the real thing and gave it to him
3: fuck yeah
4: and i listened to it on the on the way back and uh it was kind of the same thing for me poppy it was like i had I'd never heard anything like that. It's like, lyrically, it's, it's all over the
3: place and like very visual. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's strange because when, you know, Epic was the, believe the first single, I think. We, we both read the books, so maybe I'm wrong. But from out of nowhere, and Epic would have been the two singles. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I get why they're the singles. But like, how many bands do an album? And I feel like the album is long. I mean, it's, it's long and it's got so much it has so many it, it's almost like there are four different bands yeah. that kind of all intertwined at the same time like the songs are all so different like the song th- the real thing like that's is like yeah such a great great yeah. song just like rock song it's cool yeah i mean they're they're dark they're moody i mean they have that they're coming up in the time of the chili peppers and i know there was a huge rivalry between like Faith No More and the Chili Peppers. One was biting the other one. Like there's a little bit of that like rap thing going on. uh, Definitely a new metal thing, which was, I mean, I don't know who the first new metal band was, but Faith No More was definitely on that fringe. All those bands cited
4: Faith No More as a big influence. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think it's what they wanted to do. And
3: and and I don't think they're a new metal band. I just think that they were they were riding so many musical lines, but at the end of the day, I mean, to me, they're a metal band, but an undefinable metal band. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Crazy to me about, like,
1: I was going to say it real quick. I heard of Faith No More in the, in the lamest way possible and will never not tie the two together. There was an X X Games soundtrack CD, and Faith No More Epic was the song on that. So I equated them to an ESPN skateboarding competition and a song that was like, that song is a horrible representation of what they are. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And my, I listened to that song on the, in that setting long enough that, that I just literally laser focused that faith no more sounds like that. Now later on, I listen to Angel Dust and I love Angel Dust, but I can't get X Games Epic out of my head. The, and I just tie them to vert ramps.
4: They, and yeah, they, they don't deserve
1: it, but that's just how it is.
4: They definitely change so much. Like every record's kind of different.
3: Yeah, it's cool. And, and that's where my toss was going to be i thought about it and the album introduce yourself which came out before the real thing is like when i heard that like that i don't i can't pick a favorite record from them but i've been listening to that record a lot more and i'm like okay this one might have been but i heard the real thing first but i think introduce yourself is so much fucking better musically vocally chuck mosley is not as good as mike but i've heard those songs with mike and i know how the songs are incredible they just needed a, a more consistent vocalist but but you're right they they are a, kind of a chameleon band they they do what they want it all kind of sounds like faith and more but it's always evolving just a little bit yeah yeah, and, and and honestly, that that's a that's a great band. Not every band can change their sound and still maintain a fan base and maintain the same integrity um, while holding on, you know, to a little bit of your past. Like that, that's a hard line as a musician to to kind of straddle.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: One of my favorite things about music is how somebody can cite a band and an album as their most influential, life-changing album of all time, and how that band and that album is like watching paint dry to me. Like, I could, I could, there's, there's not a band out there that I probably have less connection to, because I hear you guys, you and Mark specifically talk about them. And I know they're good. They have to be good. Two people that I know could not love a band that is bad. So it's not a bad thing. I just have no connection to it whatsoever. I don't know if it's like a time and place thing. Like I never really listened to it back in the day. I remember that video being played like crazy. And I remember just being sad for that fish. (laughs) Um, It didn't die. (laughs) <laughs> but like it so like i to me it's not a bad band thing i don't think that like you know that's just something that like does not connect with me mm-hmm. whatsoever but that's what's that's what's awesome about music one of your favorite things of all time land does not land with me whatsoever and like that that should give everybody hope that is in a band you know what i mean like just because not everybody likes something like you're impact could be immense mm-hmm. on other people mm-hmm. on other people that's what's like to me is super cool about it uh
1: you, you know like you know, just i cut, also cut, have no
0: friends that listen to it or anything like so really that's yeah. just one of those things that like i just don't have it's it's never been within an arm's length of me at that time period when it came out uh so like i don't know it's just one of those things that like Ne- never really got into. I do not like the vocals on it at all. That's what I think probably uh, yeah. makes me not connect to it. Just because I don't like that style of like uh, really warping your voice and stuff like that. Um, but I do think he's a unique singer and that's one of those things that's like, unique falls in the line of like, oh, that's super cool or all oh, that's super annoying. Because yeah. that's, what uni- that's what unique is. Um, but yeah, that's I did. I, I kind of thought that you would pick no more. I didn't know which one you would choose, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, I'm not connected to them. So like, but more for you. Damn right.
1: That's I'll a perfect segue. A perfect, what you just said is a perfect segue to my number one, which I know you don't like uh my number one and this is actually my favorite album of all time for sure uh but as a life-changing record this is it for me i think i my number one i'll just get to the name radiohead kid a i think is the best record i've ever heard it sounds like it should be made 20 years from now um the thing i love about it is Radiohead has that same thing, but more extreme than Jimmy World. But we're talking about like a trilogy of records. But the bends to OK Computer to Kid A is like, to me, it's the most unbelievable shift. Like it goes from Coldplay to Pink Floyd to Electronic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just the first four notes of the album are the best feeling I've ever had in music. Like literally, it starts with these four notes and then the the sound of warmth. And it is like those first four notes, uh, how to disappear completely has this part that sounds, I've never done Xanax, but I'm imagining this is what this sounds like. But it just has this like warble that's happening and then it like ends up and just sits on one chord, but the one chord is way quieter than the buildup, which is not how you build things up. Like they do so many things that you just shouldn't do like yeah. after OK Computer, if I'm the label, I'm saying, no, 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 you're, you're doing more of that. You're not doing electronic. You're doing more of OK Computer. Like we made a yeah. lot of money together. They just fucking didn't and made my favorite record of all time. Um,
3: how, how was, I mean, I'm ve- I'm vaguely familiar with that record. I have I made a note to listen to it again. But how did it do? How was it received? Uh,
1: at first, I, at first, what the fuck is this? Why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. And then all those people that said that went back to playing high school football. And then all the Radiohead super fans are like, they're so fucking brilliant. Like, that's basically what it is. I mean, I know that,
3: you know, they are still a massive band. So it must have sold well. It's probably one of those things where, like 10 years later, it's like, oh my God, it's the best record they ever did. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, think. I think
1: it moved them into, it Coachella. moved them into legendary, like mm-hmm. yeah. legacy. But,
0: but it moved them from, so you, they they resided in, like, they were the worst grunge band because, like, they never really made it as a grunge band. They had Creep, and Pablo, Pablo Honey was a decent album, but they eventually became what Radiohead was supposed to be, which is a very experimental indie rock band.
3: See, I and forgot about them even having Creep. Like, that's not the same band to me. No, that's like Buzzbin. Um, they were on the Buzzbin. Yeah, I forgot
1: exactly, about and
0: that. they they just weren't a very good version of that band. You well, know they were too I mean? artsy.
1: Like, they were like trying to be artsy and grunge, and it's like, well, yeah,
0: yeah. Grunge exactly. is
1: about grunge is about people taking off their football pads and moshing. Like
0: you're not. But, they, <laughs> but to, so to me, Radiohead went from from that, which I don't really enjoy, to being the actual crown wearing royalty kings of indie rock of the genre of indie rock they are the biggest best indie rock band that will ever be and just just it just, to, it just, just so happens I've... go ahead it just so happens that that is not my favorite style of music like so when like I th- when i the think king of, of that rock- to me is like
3: whatever you know When I think of an indie rock band, they are, like, when somebody's, like, you know, if you're asking, oh, what was the first emo band you ever heard? Like, Radiohead is the first indie rock band. I, I, like, that's probably the first time I ever, like, heard that term was referring to Radiohead, and it would have been around OK Computer or Kid A era. But if
1: you you listen to, say they are indie rock, we'll put them in that genre. If you listen to the Bends, OK Computer, kid a and amnesiac at the end of those four records you should have no idea what indie rock means because they're not even close to each other
3: and honestly i kind of that's that's what i would consider like how alternative and are radiohead their
1: genre is radiohead that's what they are
3: (laughs) i just i feel like it's it's a term that is very it's so broad it's like if it's not punk and it's not what it if it's if it's interesting and alternative it became indie rock as a, as a, as a grand spectrum. And, you, and that means you can do anything in that. Right, yep. And, and so they would be a great definition of that if they're doing so many different things. That's what, to me, like, I'm not talking hipster indie rock. I'm talking, like, you, you can fucking do it all. You want to be heavy, you want to be loud, you want to be fast, slow, you want to play acoustic or electronic, it's all there for you.
1: Right. The thing... The album is mainly electronic. There is some guitars, but it's just warm. There's one song called Tree Fingers that's literally just an ambient soundscape on a major label, which is totally nuts. Uh, but I saw them on the tour, and it, or I saw them on Kid A, and they played in, I saw them at Blossom in Cleveland. And there was a part where Johnny Greenwood is on the floor experimenting with guitar pedals, making ambient noise for 20 minutes to an amphitheater of 20,000. And I'm like, that is insane. That that, I mean, they're basically a noise, that's a noise experimentation live at an amphitheater.
5: Mm-hmm. That
1: is ridiculous. Um, but I just think that, that that record, the first, in my opinion, there is no better first five seconds of an album in the history of music, just on feeling, it's just the warmest first five seconds of any record ever for me. Um, But it's got everything. It's got like guitar songs. It has dance songs. It has ambient soundscape songs. It has, it's just all over the place. You can tell it's one of those like Beck, they got a boatload of money and the label said, do whatever you want. And they said, yes, we will. And then they moved on and made my favorite record of all time. But in that thing, I mean, that's my exit out of grunge, really. Year 2000, Radiohead Kid A. That is my personal exit from grunge and into something else.
4: I feel, I feel like on OK Computer at that point, they established, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. But then by kid A, it's like, no, really, we're going to do whatever yep. the fuck we want. And it is what it is. And but I'm OK Computer had it. like
1: a OK Computer had like an opus feel to it, like they're yeah. making a rock opus. Yeah. And then to take that rock opus you just made and throw it in the trash and move to keyboards... Is exactly. a wild move. A really was. That's a wild move. It's a really ballsy, wild, insane move to do that. And I'll I will love that move till the end of yeah. time because that record is insane.
4: <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah.
1: That's my number one, Mark McMillan.
4: All right. I want you to imagine if we're going by sheer life changing, number yeah. one. I want you to imagine Ohio. Little Miz, just skateboarding, hood rat shit with his friends, playing baseball on the weekend, skating, doing whatever. Uh, The musical landscape was definitely uh, hair rock or whatever was on TUE, which was the radio station here. And so skateboarding, baseball, hair rock on the radio, Aerosmith, maybe some Michael Jackson, whatever. Nirvana's Nevermind hits total game changer i know it's probably like not the punkest or coolest thing to say but literally i i was into music at that point through skateboarding and stuff but that's the record that came out that blew my mind in a way that showed me like this is these are really simple songs like i remember a friend like literally had his guitar and was like no that song you like showed me how to play come as you are is the first song i learned how to play on guitar and that was just like the jumping off point like i love this i want to play drums i want to play guitar like this is obtainable this is what i this is something fun i want to do like i want to try to do this like that that was the record
3: i as soon as you as soon as you started talking like he's picking nirvana And, and i and i knew it and it's perfect because it crossed my mind but but for you it makes perfect, it makes perfect sense. Like that, that's, that's your record. Like I
4: mean, one, wanting to play guitar or wanting to be in a band or wanting to like do anything with music other than listen to it in the car or ride a skateboard to it, never was even a thought of mine until nevermind hit. And I was just like, that's fucking sweet. I want to do that, mm-hmm. you know? So like that, that's why I'm choosing it as like number one life changes. Cause it definitely, I, uh, I wanted to get a drum set and my parents were like there's no way now you're having a drum set in the house those things are expensive like we went and looked and we're like nope saw the price tag at
3: first and uh i got a shitty squire guitar instead <laughs> let, let me uh, let me ask you a question i can't quite remember this did i ever play drums in your parents house no i think at one because my, my parents
4: question? my parents had a living room where they'd always <laughs> let us go back and rehearse if needed over the years and we never played there yeah
3: i i didn't th- i i knew i played down the street at brandon's house but i couldn't remember if i yeah. ever jammed in yours and i would just i would i like the <laughs> idea of no drums in the house and then i'm there you know 10 years later or something <laughs> yeah no uh, drums
1: in the house miz you want that you go down to brandon's
3: yeah <laughs> Poppy over there poppy i'll set you up over there
1: yep i love that pick i feel like that's an i feel like that's an accurate bit where do you hold uh nevermind compared to in utero do you think nevermind's better than utero because in utero is a insanely amazing follow-up like
4: i I it's hard to follow up
1: nevermind
4: i probably listen in utero more and i don't like nirvana just because of like being such a life-changing thing for me is probably you know it's it's one of my favorite bands but i don't but by saying that i listened to it so much growing up that i i don't you know
1: you almost listen don't to have it. to listen to it. it's just in yeah like, and in uteros
4: in utero is just so like um interesting and different that like if I have on listened to Nirvana, I want to put that on, it's just like there's things to hear whereas Nevermind is like slick in a pleasing way, and the songs are simple um but that being said, um it's probably been a few months, but I listened to Nevermind on a drive I want to say not too long ago sometime during COVID in the last six months. Uh, And I was like, it's one of those records for me, transports me back and makes me feel young. And I remember like that era of my life, but listening to it with fresh ears, it's definitely a great record. The songs and the 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 melodies are so good.
1: The thing that always blows my mind, I feel like right now, like say there's a band that has a huge album, their next album is almost guaranteed to suck. Like it's it's just, maybe it's because of finances. I don't know why. But back then, there were people making follow up records. Like, how would you follow up? Never mind. It'd be impossible. In do utero is of, amazing. Do a bunch
4: of drugs and do it with Steve Albini. Okay. Yeah, I just
1: think it was either like a better caliber of musician. It was either yeah. that, or maybe they were rich enough that they had the time to spend to actually make great stuff. There's something that happened because now
0: yeah, I think follow up records are
1: never better. Or yeah. Yeah, I think you're, it's never close.
0: I think you're also comparing different uh, it's not necessarily apples to apples. I think you're on to something with, um, there being way less bands, meaning way more money. So like you might have Nirvana, for example, might've sold six, seven million copies of Nevermind. And then they have literally a year at sunset sound recorders to record whatever they want and how they want. And I know they recorded with Steve Albini, but I just mean every every bit of budget was afforded to them yeah. to be able to to search for that next group of songs. We are given two weeks and $2.
1: Figure it out, boys. <laughs> Hope your songs right to- are good. Yeah, like what songs like, we haven't even started writing yet. We've yeah. been on tour. We just and got off say, tour. Oh, okay, here here's another four dollars.
0: <laughs> so it's just it's entirely different. It's just yeah. it's...
1: But there is also like there were less bands back then and yeah, there's... quite frankly, quite frankly, there were probably less bands because they only got the good ones because it's gonna cost money to get these bands. Like now you but can just throw speak? somebody in a recording studio for eleven bucks. Like I don't know I don't know one person in my life that's not recording an album right now song by song, randomly over the course of two years. It's available yeah. to everybody.
5: <laughs> yeah. Back then,
1: yeah. I don't know how you follow up Nevermind and make something that's g- great, like in utero is great. Yeah. And it's completely well, different. They did everything the opposite of Nevermind, but it still maintains people, really great. <laughs> I,
0: think, I think artists and bands also like hit the zone there's a zone in their career where they're just on some sort of plane of existence that like, they're just great. My mom is
1: probably recording a solo album right now because their neighbor has (laughs) garage band. I mean, everybody's doing it.
0: It's It's probably great too.
1: Yeah. Everybody's recording the record. Love it. All right. JT, you're going to wrap us up with the final number one.
0: I'm going to wrap us up and I, wanted to mention uh because mark chose nirvana Nevermind. um my daughter's really into that album right now and we're learning like songs and stuff like that um and i made it a concerted effort to be able to figure out why i don't really have a connection to that album and i figured it out and because like you know how your brain connects certain things with certain time periods, but then when you do the research, you realize that you're actually kind of remembering it wrong. Even though you may be close, you're remembering it wrong. Mm-hmm. So that, mo- that album came out in 1991. Uh, never mind. I was not listening to rock music at that point, and I never really realized this because I never thought about it like this. So, Boys in the Hood came out in 1991 as well. And everything that I was listening to up to that point was all hip hop and rap. It was all uh, NWA, Ice Cube, the Ghetto Boys, everything like that. When uh, Black culture uh, exploded into tiny, small town West Virginia, I was all in. And that's all I was listening to. And I grew up like in the South. So anything from like house party and like stuff like that, that was the culture that I was used to. And that's everything that I listened to. So in 1991, I was not listening to rock music whatsoever. And my sister, was a big Nirvana fan and I definitely was not going to be listening to shit that my sister was listening to so like it was just a, I didn't realize it but it was a culture clash at that time yeah. of period uh, so that's why I didn't connect with Nirvana not because I didn't think that it was good or anything I just wasn't prepared for that that like style of music in my life yet i didn't listen to anything like that yet it wasn't a nirvana thing it was a you know like it it took me a little time uh which leads to my the album that is mine which is green day dookie
1: okay good you're good i was going to mention the big difference in you not understanding the nirvana thing like we did i'm a i was in marching band and i'm sitting here with a bunch of with a couple skateboard freaks and you were a jock yeah. So that, that's the difference. I mean, that that is the difference. You were listening to Snoop Dogg. We were listening to Nirvana. You're a jock. We're freaks. Um, oh, go ahead, but Dookie.
4: Line in the sand. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's but that is, that
1: that is the divide. Yeah. That's the
5: divide.
0: But like, the reason that I chose Green Day Dookie is because it is the first time that I took rock music seriously. Now, like when I was yeah. growing up before I got into hip hop, I loved like hair metal. So like Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, uh, Poison, Cinderella, like Bon Jovi, all that stuff. And I still love that stuff, but I diverted from rock music kind of probably directly before grunge hit, I was into a big hip hop phase. And um, I don't remember what year Sami's dream came out, but that was really important for me as well. But Green Day, the reason that I chose Green Day is because this was the first time that I took rock music seriously, but it was also the first time that I heard true energy within the sonics, within like the, man, this sounds like a couple of chords, but it's more about like how bouncy it is and how like when you saw the videos of them and everything, you saw all these kids together like jumping around like... uh moshing and like having a good time, that's the first time I ever saw that. And that was Mm -hmm. the first time that I ever felt like, wow, like, is that what a concert is? Is that what like rock music, like, is that what punk is? You belong to like this club and like everybody gets together and like, they're like crowd surfing and moshing and like dancing and like, it just seemed fun. It seemed like-
1: Dookie was the bridge from grunge to punk. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was that like, that like, Oh, come over here. We're like going crazy at shows, get off the radio, even though Dookie made it to the radio, but it was still like a,
0: well, yeah, yeah. we're on the radio,
1: but we're on it. Cause we hate it. It was like that kind of, you know what yeah. I mean?
0: Yeah. And it was crazy to me. Like when I was trying to figure this out the other day, um, is ni- 1991 is when Nevermind came out. 1994 is when Dookie came out so that three years is a that's a long period of time in between all that stuff and so like nirvana was probably broken up by then when I think, when did Kurt think her, pass away think Ninety-four.
4: was it 94
3: 94 okay so somewhere
0: April. within there i think i decided to start liking rock music so
3: yeah. by the
0: time I started listening to Green Day, uh, you know, when Longview became first became massive on MTV, and then it went to Basket Case, and like, you know, that whole album, like, really. When I come around, that whole album really exploded. Nirvana was done.
5: Yeah,
0: you know, like, like really abruptly, Nirvana was done. So that, I think that that is probably the reason that and why that and my sister, like sibling rivalry type stuff like
4: yeah you know like
0: like i didn't have like you had like the older brother thing where you like looked up to your older brother it's different when you have an older sister yeah man. you know what i mean like it's just it's just totally but but then you flash forward to five years later in my sister and i's relationship and we're definitely like helping each other find bands and stuff like that but at that time period when i was like hell no 14 13 stuff like that is like uh uh Uh, you're not going to be teaching me about music that's not the way this goes so i was too busy in the thick of it uh but yeah so green day the reason that i choose them is because it sounded like something that i could do myself like watching their hands it didn't seem off the wall to play guitar even though i didn't start playing guitar for another three years but there was definitely that was the spark of like, like man that would be awesome to do Seem, that seemed would be ob- obtainable,
4: obtainable yeah, that it you seemed, could play that yeah
0: it seemed like and it also seemed like green day looked cool they had cool colored hair they looked punk they looked f- like it looked like it was really fun i would i cannot say that about nirvana it did not look like they were having a good
5: time.
1: Well, the big, I mean? big difference—the big difference between the two—is like Nirvana ha- had the angst, and Green yeah. Day, Green Day maintained the angst, but in a different way, like a snottier way than more uh, like Nirvana was like mopey, and Green Day was like snotty. But I mean, it was both yeah. both angsty, but the thing Green Day really had was tempo, like it was fast. Nirvana exactly, never had that. Like,
0: you heard you heard the energy but you also like it seemed like your friends were in like an awesome band that's what Green Day was. Nirvana was like dude those guys are fucking bomb outs
1: right like they're well, like self know, like, lo- like Nirvana was like self-loathing rock stars and then like Green Day was like if you and your friends performed at the talent show you would actually look pretty close to Green Day yeah except like you the just talent, would look yeah. like that
0: except the talent show was now the BMAs.
1: Right, but I'm saying if you played in the
0: same group of guys.
1: If you played in a high school talent show, bass, guitar, drums, you would look like Green Day. You're not gonna sound like them because they were good and you're not, but you would at least look like them. Yeah.
3: It says everything about me because I did Nirvana for my talent shows.
1: Right, there you go. I mean,
3: What's But, you had, to, but
1: you had to have a mystique to be Nirvana. Like Kurt Cobain had a mystique. Green Day, yeah. no, you just put a flannel on and dye your hair green. Like you're done, you're Green Day. Like it's, there's not like, yeah. you don't have to like smoke and be bummy. Like yeah. Green yeah. Day wasn't like that. It was like different. It was like more, it was like more middle America could obtain it easier you just needed hair dye and a shitty thrift store and
0: show. they they always looked like to me like they just strolled out of a van and played the show right you could tell that 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 was their experience even though nirvana did the exact same thing you know touring up and down the west coast before their big time hit they were just a band a band with a 15 passenger van as well green Day seemed like even in their heyday even that's what they were still doing even though they were clearly on multiple tour buses but it seemed like they just rolled up in like probably some van with an anarchy symbol spray painted on it (laughs) with whatever color they wanted their hair that week it just seemed like wearing Doc Martens and like dressing like the Clash was like cool uh I don't know it's just time period wise it really grabbed me by like and, you know, like the best thing is, is I was listening to all this shit while traveling to my football games. The anti what Green Day does not want me to be listening to their their music while I go play wide receiver for the St. Mary's High School Blue Devils. That is not <laughs> what they're looking to do. Right. Uh, but that's what was going on. And that's kind of what diverted me from a small town guy diverted me from being on the path to being a jock, also on the path to being a punk. So that was cool.
1: Right. People like you were the reason punk died.
0: Definitely. You're like, 100%. I'm going to play
1: football. I'm hanging out with the cheerleaders, and I'm rocking the green day. And, we'll the, go to this... and everybody went, wait, what? What were those first uh, two things you're doing?
4: <laughs> then I'm stopping by that new store at the Tilly's
1: yeah <laughs> and then the rest of oh. us went well i then we went wait you're listening to green day i only like old green day and they're like all right, right. That, yeah, was that was close that was close really
0: really quickly ahead. you want to hear ultimate posing i'll tell i'll tattle tell on myself a little bit and but this is more about how small the town was not me as a poser
1: hey i bought a Marilyn Um, manson shirt at king's island i know all about (laughs) pose sometimes you gotta
0: get it where it comes i one of my first sneaky secret punk rock road trips when i got my license was taking me and my friends 90 miles to charleston west virginia to the big mall in the state that had a hot topic Oh, yeah. And when we were at that hot topic, uh, you're damn well right. I bought me a fucking Green Day shirt.
1: You got decked out. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: So you, I had to go ninety miles to get a shirt of a band that was huge. That <laughs> is part how of hard. It. It, that is how hard <laughs> it was back then, man. Uh, right. So that's why that's why Green Day was so important to me. That's and awesome. Why the Album Dookie, and but the album, like I, I feel like it holds up. It does as much as anything does back, as much as Nirvana does, uh, yeah. and I don't think that any of that stuff missed a beat. I don't think that you can say that stuff for some of those things, and it's not even because uh, it's not even because of my personal taste, but like, do you really herald like I don't know, uh, Soundgarden? Like, I know the Soundgarden is great, but do you do you herald super unknown as much as you herald Nirvana, never mind?
1: Well,
4: the, no, the but big, I never got into Soundgarden like, that much.
1: The big thing Uh-oh. about Soundgarden, comparing Nirvana and Green Day, even though they're different, like, Simply. Dookie comes out, how do you follow up Dookie? I can't even imagine how it's even possible. Insomniac's fucking amazing. It's fucking yeah, great. Yeah, it
0: is. It's Nirvana, a
1: how do you follow up? Never mind. In utero is insanely good.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Soundgarden, Super Unknown is great. Like it's a great album. The next one, down on the upside, not too hot. And nobody okay, thought okay. it was hot. Like it yeah, go listen to it. It is so much worse than Super Unknown. It's not even close. Like it was the pretty noose was the single off of it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it is not even close. To as good as fell on black days, like it's not even in the same realm so yeah. i just think like they just missed the mark i mean but those two like Gre- nirvana and green day that is the bridge from grunge to punk and like think- for like kids i mean offspring was doing it and stuff like that but yeah but uh yeah it was- it's just those records some of those bands never made a follow-up that was worth a shit and that's what cleaned out the the shitty band, yeah. like, I'm not saying Soundgarden's shitty, they're not,
0: uh, but... Yeah, no. I, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, but but uh, Down on the Upside, or whatever that's called, I think it's called that, is just not even close to Super Under. Like, it's just not close. <laughs> Whereas Insomniac, if you get Dookie and then you listen to Insomniac, there's no way you're not going to think it's great. Like, you're not going to think it's as good because it's Dookie, but you are going to think it's an amazing follow-up record.
4: Yeah, it's a great record. Yeah. It's darker. It's cool.
1: Yeah. But I think all those bands that made amazing follow ups, those are the, the album right before the the unbelievable follow up is like the life changer. Yeah. Which which follows it falls into Nevermind Dookie. Like that makes total sense to me. Because those bands were good enough to follow up unbelievably unfollow upable albums. Yep.
0: And basically being kids.
1: Do, does yeah. do you know who Green Day cites as like their biggest influence?
0: It has to be The
1: Clash. Oh, the man. Clash. Because you know how Nirvana is like, we wanted to start a band, and we wanted to be the Melvins. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah. you completely missed your mark, but good thing, because you guys killed it. Yeah, I wonder I if Green Day was like, well, when we started, we all we were laser-focused on whatever, yeah, the I, Black I, Flag I, or one of those. I bet,
0: it's, I bet it's The Clash, Ramones, and uh see i bet
1: it's like a socal band that is like no
0: there is going to be one of those bands that you're like uh
1: like if they I were like know. oh when i was 14 i went and saw i don't know i can't even name one of those bands stiff
0: With, little fingers yeah something like that, a band that I, th- th- I, th-
3: I think it would be Crimpshine.
1: yeah something if, like that yeah i bet they went i, I want to know if there's like that one band that an, was like we I bet operation
0: to ivy is pretty big yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that because they're from the east bay so I bet like all this stuff that like we're thinking of massive bands but I bet there probably is something like uh, something that was happening in that scene that is small that became
1: big. Like they watched I a bet- local band grow into a like a nationwide artist and yeah. that is the band they wanted to be like as the local band, but it just so happened pushed push them into mainstream as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious what their band is because I know, you know the like Melvins is Nirvana's.
0: But imagine, like, at the time period, you're like at the exact same time period. You're hearing like Green Day and Rancid come out of the exact same city. Yeah, you know that's pretty wild to think. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like Green Day, all at the same time. You had No Effects, Sublime, Bad Religion, The Offspring, Rancid. Like all those bands, like I don't know if they're influencing each other or what's happening, but like, you know, that's well, the, basically what you're dealing with. But the cool um, thing
1: about Green Day is, if you look behind the curtain, if you listen to it on the radio and you're like, "I like this," and it's done, you just like it, then it's done. But if you right. look, be- if you look behind the curtain for one second, you'll find Lookout Records, and that'll open you up to a whole world. I mean, that's yeah, the cool so, thing about Green Day.
0: So here is the here is straight from the mouth of Billy Joe Armstrong. It says Armstrong cites the band Operation Ivy uh, as a major influence and a group that inspired him to form a man. There
1: you go. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, But, you know, clearly a much more focused version is what you got with Green Day.
1: I just love the idea of Nirvana trying to rip the Melvins and just overshooting them by 4,000 miles, and then Green Day trying to rip up Ivy and overshooting them by, I mean, it's unbelievable, the overshoot.
0: I want you to think about this. So you're thinking, what? who inspired Green Day? And then we do a tiny bit of research, and that is Operation Ivy. Now I'm going to tell you who inspired specifically Dookie, all right? Okay. So they formed a band because they really liked Tim Armstrong and Operation Ivy. And they went with producer Rob Cavallo mm-hmm. to do Dookie because he recorded the fucking Muffs. Yes. <laughs> so think about that. That's awesome. Those two those two are really at that time period would have been really underground artists. But big in California, they'd have right. been Calif- California celebrities. But nobody knows them anywhere else. Without the Muffs, you do not get Dookie.
1: Yep, and That's without Dookie, crazy. without Dookie, you don't get Green Day's back catalog selling, which probably funded Lookout Records for fifteen it years. Did. It did. A- like, it
0: absolutely did.
1: Without the Muffs, you don't. <laughs> Music is different without the Muffs. That's what we've <laughs> learned.
3: Yes, that is crazy.
1: What a a place to end. Rock music is different without the Muffs.
4: What about (laughs) all those bands that were like, Dookie's too slick. You guys sold out. You said Green Day's just like, dude, we did it.
1: We did it with that producer because of the Muffs. Which leads me to our consensus number one is whatever album that is by the Muffs. That's it. That's the number one album of all time. Life Changer. Life Changer. Changers. The Muffs, <laughs> whatever that one is. Isn't that it? crazy? That's so yeah. crazy. I mean, there's a chance without Green Day, there's a chance without Green Day, our style of music that we eventually got into after that is never even close to the mainstream because we would have to do the work that Green Day did to get yep. it mainstream at all. There's a chance without the Muffs, we're not sitting here on this podcast. Dude, does life begin what, at the muffs i think
0: that it does <laughs>
1: it changes because i mean green day definitely gets credit for bringing punk into the mainstream i mean they do yeah. I, in a certain way rancid gets the same credit i mean they're going to split up the credit but they green day gets a big part of it oh yeah so yeah. without green it's, day bringing that in the mainstream do we have a career who knows
4: it's
0: it's fucking crazy who knows? Well, all right. That was a, that was a very interesting podcast. Uh, I hope that everybody was able to get through it because we're we're a bunch of old guys yakking along about our childhood, basically. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, actually, Matt, you touched on most of your stuff was adulthood. Uh, yeah, mine is adulthood.
1: In researching for this and thinking about it, I think my most influential time of music is two thousand, like ninety-eight to two thousand two. Yeah, like right in there. There's like this weird like alternative was really alternative and very strange and people just played whatever one. It was it was interesting to go down the rabbit hole and think about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the podcast.
0: Sweet. Well, we'll check back in with you guys here in a little while, but we're hard at work on some other ventures that we'll talk about. Um, But we're, we're, we're squirrels. We're just busybodies eager beavers, uh, drones at the beehive. We're just trying to get everything happening. And uh, we wanna say thank you so much to everybody who has supported the podcast, who have supported the uh, web store recently and our sale where you got a t-shirt just for buying anything above $20. Uh, We're gonna be getting those out to you as soon as possible. Thank you so much for uh, just, you know, helping us keep the lights on.
1: That's that. Yeah. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.